Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Tennessee Twos Disc Golf Podcast, episode 37. First things first, I have to apologize. We've been gone for quite a while, and um, the first week, we were just having some tech difficulties. We couldn't get an episode rolling the way that we had hoped to. And then a couple of weeks afterwards, I'm going to be straightforward with you guys. Um, You know, I've been struggling with some anxiety issues, not necessarily related to the show or anything like that, but just in my personal life. And it has been something that I've needed to focus on and make sure that I take my mental health seriously. Um, And I will be the first one to tell you that when you have struggles with depression and anxiety, that the first thing you need to do is pick yourself up off the floor and handle that. But also, it's very important to take care of them and to treat them with respect. Um, So, you know, number one, I want to thank my co-host who never at any point in time pressured me to get back into the saddle and get a show done or anything like that. He was always like, hey, man, whenever you're ready, let me know. We'll we'll get back on the horse. Um, Absolutely. And I really appreciate you for that. And I appreciate all of you guys for being extremely patient with us. Uh, I know it's, it's tough when you're like... Hey, you know, where's my favorite show or, you know, just one of the shows you listen to when we're not on our schedules, it can throw your schedules off and that's not fun either. So huge apology on our part. Um, thank you for your understanding. And, you know, just like I did the last couple of weeks, uh, make sure you guys focus on your mental health every now and again, take a break, um, make sure that you focus on you. I think that it's one of the most important things that you could do. Um, if you guys ever feel like you need help, make sure you get that help. There are tons of hotlines out there. Um, I don't have them all listed up in front of me. This is very spur of the moment in terms of this conversation, but talk to somebody. Make sure you get your help. All right, guys. Uh, without further ado, though, enough about my issues. Let's talk about <laughs> disc golf. I mean, that's what we're here yeah. for. Um, you know, I, <laughs> there is a lot. To talk about. That's the oh, reason that this what? is a super episode. And don't worry. All right. We we know that you're out there. You've been waiting for a Tennessee Twos podcast, right? So this one's going to be a good one. I can feel it in my bones. We have no rust. We're already in this thing. It's fine. We in it. Exactly. We are here. We're We're just coming straight in. It's like not warming up before throwing a tournament, all right? Uh, and, That's exactly you know, what it is. <laughs> but it's, it's different, all right? We're about to shoot the hot round, all right? Uh, and here's something that'll help you shoot the hot round is uh, Lone Star Disc, all right? That is our presenting sponsor. Uh, they are a local company to Conroe, Texas. Uh, they are manufactured in Texas. Everything that they do is household made in house it is amazing um one new thing that we do have is a little discount code um this is no kickback to us this is just gonna let them know hey these people are listening to tennessee two's disc golf podcast and they're wanting to try lone star disc out so all you have to do is at checkout on their website Type in T-N-T-W-O-S, Tennessee Twos, spelled out like that, um, and you get 5% off, and it <laughs> every little bit helps. So, And it lets them know that uh, you're listening to us, um, and it shows them a return on investment. So by helping them 
you're helping us. Um, another cool thing about Lone Star is their Halloween drops. Have you got to see them? I need that walker. Dude, that walker so is bad. amazing. If, if you are a Game of Thrones fan, you need that glow walker in your life. The penny, the zombie penny, is super cool, but that walker is immaculate. Yes. I can't wait to get my hands on a glow walker. It's a zombie walker. They have also, shout out to Tanner. I'm going to screw up his last name, but Girard, Girard. It starts with a G. It might be Gerard. I'm sorry, and I do greatly apologize. Um, but <laughs> he um, is one of, like, a team captain, so to speak, yep. for Lone Star. And he now has a specific uh, signature disc, and it is the Zombie Chupacabra. So yes, that one is pretty sick. I'm not going to lie. Um, the I art, saw that. Lone Star's got some crazy artwork. Um, they but, really do. But yeah, go over LoneStarDisc.com. Check them out. Use the code. Support us. Support them. We really do appreciate it. And thank you Absolutely. to Lone Star Disc. Um, moving on. So the week that we left off was the world recap, right? So the last time that we were talking to you, we had just crowned Paul Macbeth and Kristen Tatar world champions. Um, now we're heading into the Green Mountain Championship and a little bit changed, just a little bit. Um, yeah, a little bit, you know, maybe 50% of it. So we're going to go ahead and get into some, uh, GMC recap and talk about that a little bit and we'll move on kind of closer to date, um, as we go along this episode, so just hang in there with us. Uh, you've probably heard a couple other podcasts uh, talk about them already. That is no problem. We're going to have a little bit different takes, I'm sure. And yeah, you who know, can't get enough disc just, golf content? Yeah, I mean, if you really don't want to listen to this and you just, you're just you here for the USDGC preview, then just scrub ahead a little bit and yeah. check in with us. Exactly. See what the next thing that we're talking about is. We know, may even we'll, just... Uh, just give you a time marker, you know, but it'll have to be yeah. later on in the episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so we'll start with FPO at, at GMC. Um, I, I mean, I'll be completely honest. I didn't get a chance to watch a whole lot of it. Um, I, I was, I was out of it. I was thoroughly disinterested uh, in the overall concept of, of disc golf at that particular moment. Um, but I did watch both final rounds in their entirety. Uh, live, which was very exciting. Um, in FPO, we started off by Kristen Tatar taking down another win. Yep. Who's surprised? I we'll we'll get into it more, but I mean, who's surprised? Uh, taking down second place was Henna Blomroos. Um, definitely not the round she was looking for, but still was able to hang on to second, which was I'm sure she's very excited about. Uh, sneaking her way up into third, you had Owen Scoggins. And that's going to be your podium right there. There were no ties on the podium for this uh, FBO event. In fourth, you had Missy Gannon. Um, in fifth, Valerie Mandahano. And sixth, Evelina Solidin. Seventh, Natalie Ryan. Eighth, Deanne Carey. Kind of sneaking up there. Uh, we haven't talked about her a whole lot recently, but pretty excited to see her up there. And then we had a slew of players tied at ninth, including Katie Tati, Holly Finley, and Ella Hansen. Um, 
Well, let's work our way from the bottom of that top ten up. Yeah. Um. So, Katie Tati, um, Ella Hansen, and who was the third one? Uh, Katie Tati, Ella Hansen, Holly Finley. Holly Finley. Okay. Um. So, we know Katie Tati is the only other Estonian woman, correct? Uh that came over with Kristen. Yep. Um, so for both the Estonians to get into the top 10, that's great. Um, both of the um, European women, or all four of the European women, got into the top 10. This yeah, both week, of, uh, yeah. Both that of your event. fans also made it in there as well. Yeah. That's great. Um, we're seeing more and more competitiveness from the European side. Um, yes. I was kind of surprised that it took this long to see Katie Tati um, to, to kind of get get there. Um, she's a very good player. Very, very good. Right. Um, and we got to see her a little bit. I believe it was at um, where you throw down the mountain, but it's not called throw down the mountain in Colorado. Match play, maybe? Was it match play? Match play uh, was in Colorado. No. Yeah. I don't think... Are you thinking of uh, down on the... No? I don't remember her being that far west coast. She was. The California for, she thing. was Did for she one. Did she get out there? Yeah, she was for one, and it was a good one. I remember... Was it the the Masters Cup, maybe? Maybe. I believe down it was. Santa Cruz? Santa Cruz? Yep, that's what it was. Yep. Yep. So we got to see her come in, come in there pretty good at uh, Masters Cruz. Uh, wow, Masters Cruz, um, <laughs> Santa Cruz, the Masters <laughs> close Cup. Enough. Yeah, close enough. You get it. You know what I'm saying. Um, like yeah, you said, no rust after being exactly offered no not. rust. That <laughs> was just a pothole. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, we're it's exciting to get to see um, even more parody in the FPO field. Um, yeah. Ella Hansen, she's there. Um, she's she's pretty much a consistent top ten finisher. Um, Holland Finley, Holland Finley. Wow, <laughs> golly. I'm over here reading my list. And I see Holland Hanley, you know, but that's Don't that's worry, not guys. this event. Listen, Ethan's <laughs> just going through the car wash right now. Okay, he's just it getting is. a little of the mud off the tires. Exactly. <laughs> There's no rust. Not yet. Not 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 yet. Just, just a little mud and <laughs> shake up, you know. It's fine. Um, but yeah, Holly Finley. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. She, uh, <laughs> this is one of her favorite events. Um, I think she's actually probably a little, uh, a little discouraged with finishing here. Um, I. Yeah. You know, it, she, she is a claim to. Love the Northeast. Love the wooded courses. Yeah. Um, that's just kind of her terrain that she really likes to play. And I, I feel like she would have been disappointed with this. That does not discount her play at all. Right. <clears throat> yeah, you know, I mean, being another player out of Tennessee as well, it, it's one of those things where 90% of your Tennessee players are going to pride themselves on their ability to navigate in the woods. Same thing. Carolina players are going to have a, a particular affinity to playing in their type of woods. 
Absolutely. Um, and so when you get up into places like, you know, Vermont and Maine, like th- those, those are Massachusetts. Those are places that have a very similar type of construct to their courses. So players are going to pride themselves on being able to play those courses as well. So I'm sure Holly Finley didn't quite have the finish she was looking for. Right. Um, but she played, you know, admirably overall. I mean, oh, yeah. 13 over when, you know, top like third place was one over. Yeah. On on courses that really brutally punish you if you're just a little bit offline. Yes. No doubt. Um, and then in eighth place. Dan Carey. Dan Carey. Diesel. There we go. Um, we got to witness Dan Carey in Music City Open. Um, yes. She is a fantastic putter. Um, <clears throat> that was about yeah. all we really got to see because we were working the booth and she was putting in on 18. Made a great yeah. putt. Um, but she is one of those that I truly feel like are going to break out next year. Um, yeah. I, I really see it. I think she will be comfortable. She's done a full tour. She's got it, got it all under wraps. She, I think that both her and her brother will really break out next year. Right. Um, yeah, very good tournament by her. Uh, she probably isn't your farthest throwing FPO. So when you get into the north no. northeastern region, um, not only do you have to throw pretty far, but you have to throw very technical shots. So for the yeah. ones, yeah, for the we'll, ones we'll that are them, out there, we'll call them uh, golf lines for the sake of the conversation. Yeah. you have to throw a distance on a golf line, right? And that can be incredibly hard to do when you're not able to hit that certain distance, and you're having to find your own line, right? Yeah. So you might not be using the same line, you know, as Kristen Tatar, and right you have to kind of make your own way down there and it's not necessarily the path most traveled. So for her to be able to do that and still come in top 10, very good. Yeah. And I mean, if you think like, well, I mean, how often can you really expect those players to win? I mean, that's exactly what Nathan queen had to do all last year in the mm-hmm. pro tour championship. He took a lot of lines that were less traveled number one because he's lefty number two because he doesn't throw forehand yeah so he doesn't have really a forehand he doesn't throw right-handed which most courses favor even mostly you know even in today's day and age right-handers are almost always going to be favored at least a little bit in a hole by hole breakdown um and so not only do you have to throw for a decent distance which nathan queen's not a great distance thrower but you have to have a exemplary uh angle control yeah. Um. And to match angle control and distance, and still get yourself into contention, it's a hard thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. Um. And in seventh place, Natalie Ryan. Natalie posting, Ryan posting um tied for the second hottest round of the day. Um. At two under, tying with Valerie Mandahano up in fifth. Um. Both of nice. them shot a two down, which was very impressive considering that only three players scored under par the whole day. Yeah. If I'm reading this correctly. Yep. And I would say That's that this something. this gave Natalie a huge head of steam. Um, 
anytime that she can get into the top ten, it's yeah. it's definitely a win. You know, it's 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 there. Um, Especially when you're talking again, uh, when we talk about these, you know, golf lines that you're expected to hit on this northeast section of the tour. Um, Natalie Ryan is very well known for the distance and the power that she brings. Sometimes she can falter a little bit if she doesn't have large landing zones. So to go out there right. and, and put up a decent performance out there without having, you know, big landing zones. It's almost impressive. the opposite of the end. Like it, it, so they're, they're to each their own. Right. And finding a way to overcome those, um, inabilities you know right. uh is is you know really really good um if they are able to practice the course find their lines execute their shots and score the way that they need to in order yep. to place in the top 10 they've had a great tournament yeah absolutely uh in sixth place you had evelina solonen coming in shooting even for the round nine over for the tournament Evelina um, <laughs> is the best player throwing the disc without being able to hit putts. Um, yeah. I, I, could you imagine? Just, just imagine that she hits ninety percent of her circle one. What happens? Uh, considering she was only 60%, she was second in the entire event for strokes gained T to green at 14.3. That's which is crazy. Outrageous. That is absolutely uh, absurd. 14 I mean, strokes T to green. You're talking about somebody who, uh, and you know, 90% is probably pretty high for most FPO players. So we'll even back that up. We'll say 85. Um, I think that's attainable uh, for yeah. season long yeah. overall to be an 85% yeah. circle one. Say putter. 85. Um, she wins. About 85% of the events that she's in. Yeah. If she puts like that. I agree. I agree. So, but that just goes to show what she can and will work on this offseason at least i hope so right i really hope so you know we've talked about it before she's she's said in multiple interviews she, she doesn't, doesn't take a whole lot putting. of time to practice putting her practicing for putting is during her practice rounds and during her rounds she plays a lot of rounds and that's why she's such a good thrower um mm -hmm. but she needs to start you know getting through her round and going and spending 30 minutes at the basket um after her round right um spending 30 minutes at the basket before her round and then playing her round um we, we really got to see her start putting in the work and i think you know i've talked about it at least once i know you've mentioned she's, it i mean me as well as far as raw talent a, yeah she needs to consider a form change as well in in her putting um you know yeah. because you can mitigate the amount that you need to practice by moving to a more consistent style putt um i so, mean you know firsthand hundred percent. Yeah. I used to be an extreme hyzer putter and don't get me wrong. Extreme hyzer putters can be very, very good, but it's the difference between, you know, being able to spend 30 or 45 minutes a day putting and spending two hours a day putting 
to gain the confidence level that you need right. to be a good putter. And I, I truly, in my opinion, hyzer putters are way more affected by the wind as well. Um, you're exposing the yeah. flight plate of the disc way more often. Um, and from any kind of distance, you're just allowing Mother Nature to say, whoop, here's a 15-mile-per-hour gust. Boom. You know? Yeah, I, because here's the thing. So as, as a hyzer putter you you get less affected by directly in the face and directly behind you. So headwinds, tailwinds, much less effect on you. Crosswinds, 10 times more affected. Yes. Now, here's the thing. How often do you find yourself on the green directly into the headwind or directly in the tailwind? You don't. It's more not often. often than not. I would say if, you, if you're playing on a windy day, 15 out of your 18 putts in circle one, we'll, we'll say for the sake of the tournament, is going to be a tail cross or a head cross. And it's yep. going to be right to left or a direct cross even. You are much more likely, given a 360-degree plane, to have some sort of a crosswind than to have a direct head or tailwind. Yep, I completely agree. But even with all of that, her driving keeps her in tournaments. Her throwing yep. of the disc, her raw talent, her raw power keeps her in these tournaments, and still puts on a great show. Um, yep. And let me just tell you, when you see Evelina throw a disc, you think that the disc, like, elongates. It looks like an egg when it comes out of her hand. Like, she <laughs> stretches the plastic. Um, it, it's crazy how much snap she gets on her discs. Um, or you start, you, you get that slow motion and you see, you see that warp yeah. into the disc. You see the disc as it's coming out of her hand is starting to look like this because yeah. she's throwing it so hard. It's like the disc is literally screaming, let me go, let me go, don't do it, you know? So, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Uh, and him right. is not far behind her if I'm being honest. Um, No, she doesn't have quite the snap, but. Um, not quite the snap, I think but. I think Hedda might might outdo Evelina in spin rate, which helps her keep up with the distance a little I, better. I was thinking the same thing. Um, but, yeah, so good job to Evelina. Uh, just barely missing the top five, um, but yeah. still staying very competitive in there. Uh, and then in fifth place, we have Val Mondujano, Valerie. Um, as Daniel has said many and many times before, that – I have been a Val bandwagoner this year. Um, hey, okay, not a bandwagoner. Fangirling <laughs> and bandwagoning are not the same thing. Okay, okay? so I've been. This a... is an individual sport. This is not a team sport. Okay, okay, you're, you're right. You're not just right. grabbing the best team available this year. Okay? Right, right. Okay, okay. Well, I've been a fangirl of Valerie Montano, and uh, you know it paid off this week. So, or you know, for GMC. So, <laughs> this is placing in the top five. Can't complain about yeah. that. Um, no, can't be mad. Not at all. Uh, and, you know, not at all. Again, tying for the second best score, only one of only three players who scored under par the whole day. Again. Yeah. You know, not, nothing to scoff at. Absolutely. And one of the biggest things that I really, really like seeing Valerie Montejano play is we've talked about this many a times before is that killer instinct. Like, a lot of players have, a, a lot of players do not have it. Right. They can lock in yeah. when it's tournament time, but they don't have that go-out killer instinct like a Macbeth or a, you know, Katrina, it, it, like Paige when when it's yes. game day, you know. And 
for the select few that do have it, in my opinion, they're just more fun to watch. Well, absolutely. I mean, you don't go in there and say that, you know, whether you ever liked him or disliked him or whatever, you can never say that Kobe Bryant was never fun to watch. Exactly. Players who have killer instinct are always going to be fun to watch. Um, And Valerie Manahano has the right mentality. I think she needs to put the focus together a little bit. You can physically see the focus slip out there on the course Mm -hmm. a little bit, which is not uncommon for somebody as young and successful as she is currently. You know, um, but she has that killer instinct, and if she can groom her concentration to uh, basically combine with that killer instinct, you're going to see a dominant player. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, speaking of dominant player, okay, Missy Gannon is—I don't understand how she's slipped under my radar every week. She's been there. You know what I mean? Like, she's just been there in the conversation every week, week in, week out, majors, non-majors, Silver Series. Like, she's just there, and it's so close. But she has put together and strung along a fantastic season. Um, Yes. Much better than her last season, even though she got Player of the Year last year. um, This season has been better for her, in, in my opinion. It's not over. Granted, she still got a title to uphold. Um, yes, but well, two, two technically. <laughs> you're right, two, <laughs> two titles to uphold. Um, but I mean, we'll see from there. I, however, she's had a great season, truly. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I think one of the things that we could say, and, and something that um, she mentioned, I don't know if you watched the USDGC preview show this last uh yesterday last night i seen Um, it go live i did not get to see it so i saw it go live and i was like oh uh i don't know what that is so i just i killed the notification and then i saw somebody tweet about it and i was like oh they're actually showing the qualifying rounds they're showing players play the qualifier oh and i was like i was like oh okay so i clicked onto it and i got in right in the end i got to watch a couple of the playoff holes um at the end but when i had clicked on the first thing that they were doing was interviewing missy gannon um and one of the things that it's you know they pointed out in this interview basically was you know hey i you know i've i've looked a little bit better this year i've had some more distance this year and it's not that i'm throwing harder or i've changed anything in my form it's it really comes down to the fact that i know my discs a lot better yeah um and so we've seen honestly that has really been good for her and outside of the fact that honestly if you take out some outstanding performances that were in front of her we probably see a couple more wins this year if it's oh yeah for that for sure you take out you know they take out a, a Haley king dominant win or a Kristen dominant win and you probably see a couple more missy victories i agree with that that is not a hot take at all um but you know right there with her it's been step and step, neck for neck, Own Scott yeah. coming in third place. Um, Own is like a tick that lives on Missy, all right? <laughs> it's like we have compared them to, in every power ranking, one of them jumping the other. They're both little frogs, and they just go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And it seemed that way for the playoffs as well, for the brackets. Yes. <laughs> Um, 
I don't understand a hundred percent on why they they play so much differently, but yet their gameplay ends up the same. <laughs> it's like all over the place, just right next to each other. Though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like you and me when when we get out. And you're right. For for anybody who's never watched, like we could not be more different in the styles of disc golf that we play. Yeah. But the funniest thing is that eighty percent of the round is us throwing our discs right on top of each other off the tee. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> we, our discs have made so many minis on the course, it's not even funny. And it feels like <laughs> that. If you were to put Owen and Missy on on a card together consistently, I think you would see that. Just like completely different styles, always in the same place, looking looking at similar shots going into the green or, yeah. or whatever it is. It's really funny. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um. So, yeah, I mean, there's not much you can say about own other than what a season i yeah what a season by own you know um it's easily i mean in terms of the pro tour the best player that was on tour this year that didn't win yeah 100 percent. and, and yet close. she's still a world champion you know it, in it's, this year in this year uh <laughs> she didn't win a single time on any elite series in the disc golf pro tour um but she won a world championship, so I think she's pretty excited about that. And yeah. she's she's uh, she's gonna be going into uh, Pro Pink and the uh, Disc Golf Pro Tour Championship. Very well suited for these courses. Um, Absolutely. so we as long as we see her healthy, she is always gonna be in the conversation. Um, yeah. Now, uh, bringing up that second place, mm-hmm. Hannah Blomruz, and I was surprised when I saw it, but the more that I think about it, the less that I'm surprised. I mean, I think that Hannah has such a drive, and her her she kind of has a little bit of tunnel vision, I think, which is unfortunate. It's probably part of why she slipped a little bit in some of these final rounds, but she wants to catch Kristen so bad and you can see it mm-hmm. and she wants nothing more and i don't think she cares about beating Paige. i don't think she cares about beating missy i don't think she cares about beating val she wants to beat Kristen, and that is the only thing she's focused on right now um obviously you know it, that's not true but that's the way that it feels i mean it might be true <laughs> you know like think about it it's like it's like your state championship, right? It's like, uh, say you're in a qualifying event for the state and you're going to get to go to Worlds, but only the top two get to go, you know? Right. And then you get to the top, you make it to the top two. Say, I'm Hannah, you're Kristen, right? And then you're going to Worlds. My main objective is to beat you, all right? Yeah. I, I want to be the best player from Tennessee, she wants to be yeah. the best player from Europe. I could see that. That's 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 yeah. definitely not outlandish. And no, not at all. And for <laughs> I don't know, Kristen is kind of ridiculous right now, but I could definitely see um Hannah making a big jump towards that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um and of course Taking down GMC, uh, we've probably already spent way too much time, but we, a lot of these players we won't have to cover a second time when we go over MVP right. here in a, in a minute. But uh, Kristen, 
just smashing a dub. Seven strokes um, ahead of the entire field at a minimum, and that was over Henna, and 11 strokes over the rest of the field past Henna. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, shot the hot round on the final day, which that's what you got to do. You know, uh, if you're <laughs> if you're going to go in behind or tied for the lead on the final day, you go in with the hot round, you're guaranteed to win. That's how that works. That's magical. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's been nothing sort of spectacular this year. Yep. She's had um, control over her emotions, over her discs, over her distances. She has been so pinpoint accurate throughout this entire season um, that it really didn't surprise anybody that she was going to go ahead and, and take this win on one of the most fabled set of courses in the entire country. Um, and you also have to consider after what she did at DDO and then backing that up at Worlds, taking this win down here this year, does that give her extra confidence going into Worlds next year knowing it's being held here? Absolutely. I uh, I mean, yeah, I guess uh, I, y'all can come back and hold me to this, but might as well go ahead and write a two times beside her name. Um, <laughs> uh, there's there's my hot, not so hot take um, oh. for next year. Um, <laughs> watch somebody just come out of the blue and just blow up the scene next year, and I'm like, yeah, Kristen, I did I say that? I meant, uh, you know, you know what I mean. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, that, uh, somebody send me a clip. Oh, no, I. I I didn't say I didn't that. Say, uh, Photoshop, man. No. Well, I mean, um, I guess do I have to send you the clip about Val then, where you predicted her win count and we didn't meet it? Um, uh, what did I say? Three. Yeah, three more after Waco. She got two more. <laughs> and she got close. Yeah, I mean, she did. Yeah, she did good. Um. We'll come back to uh, Paul by the time he retires and see if he made it to the majors. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, he's making he's making nineteen, but he's never making twelve worlds, man. I'm sorry. I mean, <laughs> he he pushed a step closer. I mean, he's at least gonna play for six more years, you know. So he's not gonna win six years in a row. It's just not happening. Imagine. Could you imagine? <laughs> okay, I, I mean, if that happens. Look, there are some records that, in all honesty, will never be broken. All right? Whether you agree with it or not, whether it was legal or not, Barry Bonds, that record's not going to be touched. Not in the current state of the game. Players don't play as many games now. That's just how it is. Game is more competitive. Pitchers are better. They throw harder. All of that sort of stuff. Um, Cal Ripken... Junior and his consecutive games played never going to be touched, and I mean that was never going to be touched. We don't need the, the game to change for that never to be touched again. Um, you know Barry Bonds's single season home run record. We're we're in the midst of the greatest American League home run season we have seen since Roger Maris, uh, and he is still going to be eleven home runs short of Barry Bonds yeah. when all is said and done. 12 like 12 world championships in the current state of the game is unfathomable it's not even not possible it's not fathomable 
and I'm sorry if you disagree with me. I would love to see a full written disposition as to why you disagree with me. I would love to read that. I would find it so entertaining. And if I mean, you made a good argument, I would yield. You know what the uh, what but the argument would be? Like anything can happen, man. You just never know. You just never. You know, just man. never know. Look, if anybody's gonna do it, it's gonna be Paul, yeah. and Paul's not gonna do it. Yeah, I I'm I'm with you on that. I it will be hard. Not impossible. Nothing's impossible. But it will be close. <laughs> um, yeah, so the when push comes to shove, we are, what we are now waiting on is we're not looking anymore for the who's going to be the next person to win 12 World Championships because it's, it's just not going to happen. Beyond Paul, if Paul takes down number 19 and 20, I'm assuming he's going to get to 20. Um, that's that's a number I think he's gonna hit. I don't think he's gonna get too many more past that. He might, he might not. That's depends on how his body holds up. Honestly, over the years, mm-hmm. he's gonna get to twenty. So what we're looking for now is who could be the next twenty-time major and major winner. And the way that disc golf is moving, I don't see that not happening. Yeah, there's um, more majors because now. Exactly. There's more majors happening now. Um, for example, we'll talk about this a little bit later because we're going to go over the uh, 2023 tour schedule that's already been announced. Um, but European Open is returning for a back-to-back year as opposed to an every other year event. Yeah. Um, so that's going to be listed as a major. We have a new major on the roster that is looking to you know, fork down their spot in Appland, Georgia and continuously. USDGC is not going away. World's not going away. I would be surprised if in the next five years we didn't have a fifth annual major. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think five is probably where they top it out, um, if I had to guess. But I would be surprised if we get five years from now and we don't have a fifth major. Yeah, um, And five majors a year, and you get somebody who has Paul-level dominance over the course of 10 years, that's 50 opportunities to get 20 wins. And yeah. if they're that level of dominant, that will happen. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, so, yeah. Um, we spent a lot of time talking about the FPO at GMC, um, and we will try to speed it up a little bit for the MPO. Um, but I don't think we, we have as much to talk about. In yeah, FPO. we were we were just excited. We, just we were just excited. You know, uh, glad to be back. Glad to be talking. And uh, I am a very long-winded person, and he is. Uh, he is letting me take take reins. <laughs> he's he's not like stopping not me, talking. and I'm just I'm just boom. I'm here. Uh, but yeah, I, I just got into a five minute discussion about baseball stats to well, back up. I, so look, it would it would not be a Tennessee two it would not be a Tennessee twos podcast without you bringing up baseball. It or is some other sport at least. Baseball. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's always it's baseball. Like, you compare everything what? to it's, baseball. <laughs> It's almost look. We have just we finished go. the playoffs in, Here we in go. disc golf. Number two, it's playoff season for baseball, baby. It's playoffs. <laughs> playoffs. We're talking, talking about playoffs. playoffs? Yeah. I'm just trying to win a game. <laughs> <laughs> playoffs. Calm down, Dennis. Calm down. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. All right. So GMC. Um, I've only got the top five here. Um. So. It, it is what it is. That was the reason in the FPO I kept looking at him from the top 10 to the 5th. I had it after that. So, yeah, I'll let you take 10th through 5th, and I'll take 5th through 1st. Sure. Uh, so, 
we'll we'll round it out with 11th uh 11th alden harris took it down shot a very hot uh 10 down that final day along with jake hevenheimer i think those were the hot um second hottest rounds on the day outside of niklas antila who shot an 11 down which was fantastic for that course on the final day he tied for eighth along with linus uh carlson linus excuse me and then adam hammis as well um all of them tying at 27 down those are all of your tied for eights um but r- really niklas antila is the round that that sticks out there that was what yeah, a performance was impressive. for our final day the same thing with alden harris down in 11th just didn't play well enough the first couple of rounds, um, but really rounded it out well, and I'm sure he was very happy about that. Greg mm-hmm. Barsby taking down seventh. Um, he did some really cool stuff throughout the weekend, a couple of really sick throw-ins, but just wasn't enough to keep him in the contention. Um, and, you know, it's it's one of those things where Vermont shows its teeth to players who don't have distance and golf lines. And right. Greg just doesn't quite have the distance to compete with the big boys on those courses, Um, especially the way that we're modifying them these days. Every single one of these courses is getting a little bit longer, Um, you know, except for USDGC, which we'll talk about later. But the courses are getting longer Um, and some players are just going to start getting left behind. Unfortunately, you know, we're going to start seeing players like Barsby, Coling, Sexton, Ulibarri. Those players are going to become less and less relevant as these courses extend um, unless they adapt um, and start throwing distance lines on golf lines. Mm-hmm. So um, Gannon Burr, young buck came out there, just had a couple of hiccups out there, but overall put a very respectable seven down, um, took solo sixth place. And then uh, rounding out that non podium was Paul Macbeth at 30 down with a six down, Really kind of played himself out of a podium with a, a bogey in the last four holes. But, uh, you know, he had a chance to win this tournament in all right. honesty. Um, yeah. He was in position. Uh, and a lot of people were expecting it because, if I remember correctly, it's been like six years since he hasn't won the first event after Worlds. Right. First Elite Series after Worlds. Yeah, that was a um, pretty uh, pretty epic stat, to be honest. So yeah, yeah, if I was a betting man, which I am, um, I I would have probably put money on that. But, you know. I wouldn't have blamed you even a little bit. No. Um, And then tied for second, we have three people. Um, You have Matty O, Isaac Robinson, and Chris Dickerson, uh, all tied at 31 down. Uh, One stroke under uh, Paul. And all I can say is, are those three not very similar in play? Like, I, they they really are. Um, yeah. They all have their, you know, quirks and, what, did I say that? Um, Like, perks and, I don't know what I'm going with here. I done said twerking on stream. I, I, so, think, I think you meant quirks with the quirks. Q. Yeah, quirks. So not, he, went, he went from twerking <laughs> to perks. It's like some kind of Call of Duty player out here. Q to quirks. All right, we're here now. So speaking of quirks, <laughs> mine is obviously uh, not getting words right today. So Isaac Robinson is definitely the freshest face um, on this podium, uh, yes. newest to the tour. Uh, this We said it before. This will not be the last time we see him on podiums. Uh, he's good for anybody that didn't know. 
Isaac Robinson is hey, very good. He's here to stay. Oh and yeah. He hasn't he hasn't completed a single full season on tour yet. Nope. And he's doing this kind of stuff. He's here to stay. Absolutely. Keep an eye out. Yep. I completely agree. Um, Matteo. No surprise, Matteo's uh, in this position. He always he's a little bit kind of like what we were talking about with Barsby, just having some ridiculous throw-ins all over the course on on this event. Matteo has, and it's through the years. It's not just this year. He has some ridiculous throw-ins on these courses out at Smugs. Matteo's so good. <laughs> he is, and he's like, electrifying to watch too. He's such yeah. a good card mate as well. Um, Which is it's funny. We I saw so much hate of of Matteo. Why? Through the course of this event, people um, just because of his glasses. I mean that that kind of no that bugs me sometimes. I'm like just take them the off, like, bro. <laughs> No, it's the the first down thing that he does. Oh yeah, I, a lot of the younger the younger players and um, younger the newer generation that's getting into disc golf within the last couple of years. They think really, it's like gloating or something. They, I I know. I think they think it's tacky. Oh, is what they think. So but, what? I mean, that's his that's his personality. That's his personality. Man. Yeah, I yeah I. He to takes those his people get just over as it. seriously. He <laughs> takes his football. And and Bama just as seriously as he takes disc golf, and you can't you can't get mad at him for yeah, it. No. Um, but yeah, I saw. I, I'm probably exaggerating how much hate I was seeing, but I think I was just so taken aback by the amount that I was seeing, right? That it really felt like there were just a lot of people just like, yeah, Matteo is just so annoying. Like, I, don't, I would never want to be on a lead card with that guy. Really? Kind of comments, That's... and I'm just like. That would be like he's one of my, my dream one cards. Of my favorite, yeah, he's like one of my favorite players to watch on tour just because of the antics. Yeah, same. I, I'm the same. Um, I did think it was kind of funny. N- nothing to it really, but you know, Isaac Robinson is one of the newer faces of uh, Prodigy, and Matteo and Chris yep. Dickerson are the the ones that left Prodigy behind. So <laughs> it you know it looks like Prodigy was left in good hands. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, surprising too that you you really expected Kevin to become the face, right? But um, and he is. Don't he, get me wrong; he is still yeah. the face, but he is going to have to start performing if yeah. he wants to keep that title for much because, longer than about a because year. Because Gannon and Isaac are there. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Uh. With all that said, Ricky Wysocki taking down. GMC at 34 down three stroke three stroke victory um it was just a matter of time we was gonna see Ricky back on the podium back in the winner's circle uh you can't hold him out long and no he's just that kind of player he's just that good he's gonna find a way to win sometimes well, he went out there he went out there with a vendetta too because absolutely he was very upset by the way that people talked about Paul Macbeth over, over the course of the week leading up. Um, and he made that very well known in his uh, interview. Now he kind of backed up a little bit on Twitter and Instagram kind of, he kind of walked some of the stuff he said back and he didn't necessarily say that he didn't mean it. He just tried to give a little more perspective and clarity as to what he meant. Right. But I still think the way that a lot of us took it was how he meant it. Even if he's going to say that, that he didn't. And, and, um look it's all it's all good and fine but under the current and there i know there's a ton of you who disagree with me on this um but 
majors are the most important facet of the game. And it's not going to change anytime soon. It's no different when you talk about tennis. When you talk about the greatest tennis players of all time, the number that they talk about is how many majors did he win? Not how did he do at the Olympics? Great. Cool. That's fine. How many majors did you win? And I know a lot of people are going to say, well, majors are just subjective. They're just a label slapped on. Well, so is Wimbledon. So is the U.S. Open. So is the Australian Open. All of these. And the same thing in golf. All these majors. The Masters. The U.S. Open. You know, all of these. They're just a regular old tournament with a label slapped on it by an association. It's absolutely no different. Right. But they hold a prestige that is very different, especially in the players' minds. And people will tell you every time you go into this type of event that the atmosphere at a major is different. And and for anybody who's like, well, what do you mean? Like, even Champions Cup, this was the very first year that we've ever had Champions Cup. Players admitted, like, on multiple occasions, like, yeah, you know, it's the first time that we're having this event, but the atmosphere is different. It's mm-hmm. not like the other Elite Series events. It they is said a that different it felt feel. Like a major. It did. And which if is, the players Which is a great sign, that... because if it's the first year... And it felt like a major. Absolutely. That means that it belongs. And I'm Absolutely. super glad that it got to return um, exactly. in the same spot, especially. Um, um, and, and, and more to that point, like, yeah. if the, the best example that I can give, honestly, is like in 2019, before COVID hit, do you remember who won the Masters in golf? It would be the one year that you probably would remember. I mean, I wouldn't, but I'd probably say Tiger. Tiger won. I mean, that's could you just... Tell me, could, could you tell me who won the FedEx Points Cup? Hmm. I'm just trying to remember golfers' names. So give me just a second. <laughs> um, what's the dude with the face and the dark hair? Um, that's a lot of golfers. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm narrowing it down in my head, all right? He wears a hat. Uh... uh... He's got a sponsorship. (laughs) (laughs) Is he American? He is American. He uses golf clubs. Um, He is... What is that dude's name? Uh, He's a younger guy. Okay, Um, well, I'll just... I'll go ahead and cut you off right now. Please. An American did not win the FedEx Cup this in in that year. Well, then... All right, it was Roy Roy McIlroy. He's not American? No. What? No, he's like he's Irish or Scottish, I believe. Does he live in America? Um, I don't know he's where American. he lives, man. America. <laughs> um uh But but no, the no, reason please, I the please reason tell I, me. I, the, Spieth. The reason I, Spieth. Jordan Spieth. That's his name. Jordan That's Spieth. who I was thinking about. I think he Yeah, yeah, he was up there in the standings that year. But the reason I bring this conversation up is because majors just hold a different title. And if this sport gains any traction in the general community, if we start seeing this on ESPN, majors are going to be the ones we see on Mm -hmm. ESPN. It's not going to be Waco. It's going to be Worlds, or it's going to be USDGC. Those are the ones that we're going to see. And so they're going to continue to garner this. It's just the layout of solo player sports of this nature are always going to veer towards majors. And because of that, they become more coveted, and because they become more coveted, it's how you're graded on your career. Now, season, totally different, okay? 
But when you talk about like teams who win the World Series, for example, if they win a one-off year, yes, that's awesome. They were the best team for an entire year. But when you think of the best baseball teams in history, you think of dynasties. You think of the Yankees from the 20s. You know, in in most recent memories, you think of like the San Francisco Giants from 10 to 16, where they took down three out of five years. You know, those those are what you think about. You don't think about, oh, the so and so who won that one time. Right. Right. Yeah. And the same thing with football. You think of the Patriots. You think of the dynasty that the Patriots held during, you know, the middle part of the Belichick era. And that's the same thing with majors and majors are going to continue to be that thing. And so I understand what Ricky is saying. And I understand the frustration of feeling like, you know, maybe the disc golf world was telling him he is inadequate because he doesn't have enough worlds. Well, look at him. He's got, um, you know, four elite series wins and he's been the best player this year. And he did something similar the last year. And he's like, well, I am the best player year in and year out. And yes, that has been true for a couple of years but you're not winning the big events. Right. You're not winning when it it's the most important. Uh, like when said, it means the most. Yeah, and that's 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 why I bring up that golf thing is because I've asked people before, who won Masters in 2019? Oh yeah, Tiger Woods because it's Tiger Woods and it's Masters. Yeah. I was but definitely you know, the you know wrong how... wrong person to ask. Yeah. But, but I, I still I've, got I've it right. Who, Thank you. I I've asked people who like watch a decent amount of golf or follow golf you know fairly generously and i can ask them that and i i've i've asked them like do you know who won the fedex cup in 2019 which is equivalent to our you know points cup if you will right um and they say jordan spieth nope (laughs) yeah yeah that would have been me if i could have remembered his name i was narrowing it down you didn't give me time (laughs) <laughs> I I was working on the it. guy with the with the hair and the, the face the, and, and the, the face and the hat and he has the sponsors. A nose. Definitely, has, I'm pretty sure he has two ears. Yep, both actually are intact. Um, and <laughs> yeah, I I was working that way. I was like, he probably wears golf shoes. Um, all right, yeah. So but, enough about that. Enough right. about that tangent. We'll go back to to whatever happened now. The reason I bring all of that up is because when he came out and he made all of those comments, I was like, he has two options this weekend. He either has to dominate. He wins or he needs to shut up. <laughs> and he won. Yeah. So keep on talking that talk, he, Ricky. Keep he on talking it up. Get it going, really, Ricky Watalki. I, <laughs> I really hope he starts bringing that into I, – I want to see him bring that into USDGC this year because he still hasn't won USDGC. And uh, – Put your money I, where your mouth is. I, yeah, I, yeah, kid. <laughs> um, he's our age. I, I, I know, but it sounds so weird. That's, that's I feel like I feel like I've just tried from, to ground him. No, it's, it's <laughs> and it's I didn't even thing, say like, it. You, when you come from baseball, it's the same thing. You you tell people who yeah. are older than you, kid. Yeah, good hit, kid. Way to go, kid. I would throw say, up. Kid. Every nice time catch, I said kid. That. Um, it's just a baseball thing. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. <laughs> and it but, might might not even be a baseball thing. It might just be like where I'm from. It might be. It might be. <laughs> I yeah. That, so if I offend anybody by by saying, you know, get good kid. Oh or, no, it didn't offend me at like, all. It uh, just made me want to throw just, up. <laughs> I'm just for the listeners who are like, he's older than you or something like that, 
Actually, not, we don't know that. Yeah. He could be young. I don't really know him. I don't know either. He might be, I, don't I think know he's like 27. I'm not about to disclose my age. Um, I mean, I don't care. Uh, I'm here. The internet has too much of my information. <laughs> <laughs> John and Chess is definitely a baseball thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know what it is either. Like I don't like you could be the twenty year old on your softball team, your like beer league softball team, <laughs> and a forty five year old goes and hits a bomb, and you're like, "Good hit, kid," and he's like, "Yeah, uh, yeah, I appreciate yeah. that, bro. Uh, I appreciate it, kid." <laughs> Chug another it's one. pretty much. Heck yeah, sounds like a great time. Um, now I, I have to point something out. That win was not without struggles. No, that not was... at all. That lead card, the entire lead card, basically struggled the whole day comparatively to like your your chase cards and a couple of your earlier cards. I know the weather kind of got a little worse as the day went on out there. If I remember correctly, the wind was picking up a little more, but that lead card did not have a lot of energy. I don't know if you felt that same way. Um, like there was a lot of like mental battling going on. Yeah, on that card. Yeah, I agree with that. Um. And sometimes it's like that, but, you know, uh, only yeah, the that, tough that will prevail. Be, so, it, you know, I mean, luckily enough that he had the lead that it, it wasn't that big of a deal, but those are the weeks you got to be scary. When you're on the lead card and the lead card is not pushing you to be better or play better or hold your lead, that's when you card. see that chase card come in. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll talk about it uh, coming up. All right. So uh, we spent an hour talking about GMC. Luckily, we don't have nearly as much to talk about here. Um, Do we? Overall, because well, there's so many more players that we just don't we don't really need to cover. So FPO, um, we're going to start from ninth, work our way up. Uh, Tied for ninth, you had Macy Valadez, Hannah Blomrus again. Hannah just just really chasing. Mm-hmm. Chasing Kristen, um, I kind of feel bad for her. I mean, she basically took six over over the last two holes. Yeah. Uh, so you're talking, I mean, she's she's within three strokes of the lead if she doesn't have those last two holes. So that hurt. Yeah. Um, Macy. Macy. This is what I can say about Macy. Um Macy has been the most disappointing player to watch. And I do mean that in the most physical sense. Um, Pretty much tournament in, tournament out. um, Is that she goes out there and she she does some spectacular things. She has some fantastic rounds. She has... I'm starting to almost think of her like she has an Anthony Barella type ceiling. She throws far. She hits great lines. She has it from both sides. She has a, you know, an elite level backhand, an elite level forehand. Her putting needs some work. AB's been there before too. Right. But as soon as she gets onto a lead card and gets behind that camera, the wheels fall off. Yeah, it feels like that every single tournament for this entire year. As soon as she gets behind or in front of that camera, the wheels have just fallen off, and we haven't seen, you know, the real Macy. It feels like right. Um, and let it be known that this is her first full year of touring as well. So with this under her belt, I think she'll come out next year and be a little bit more prepared 
she's I noticed that she's really taken a, a notion of getting in front of the camera on social media a lot more. Um, yeah. So I think that she knows how to help it. So I, I you know, she obviously sees it as an issue. So yeah. I th- now I one of the things I, I have. It. One of the things I've noticed as well coming into the back end of the season um, is in the beginning of the season, in the earlier events of the year, she had switched her putt up. Mm-hmm. Um, she had kind of gone from a push putter to a smush towards more spin putting. Yeah. And she has reverted almost completely to push putting. Right. Um, and honestly, I, I mean, at this point, I don't know if it's intentional or if it's something that's just naturally morphed back as she's gotten more practice in and found what's comfortable for her. But I, I think it agrees with her a lot better because her putting, there were some a couple of tournaments where her circle one putting was just like hard to watch. She was having a lot of it comebacks was... and the comebacks were 30 feet. Uh, yeah. Uh, that can and be it, tough. But it wasn't just the comebacks. It was like she was just missing the basket. I mean, she had those thirty foot comebacks because she was switching. That's to what I'm saying. Style, but right, but she was just she wasn't even close. I mean, she she was low, she was high, she was right, she was left. Very rarely was she hitting dead center chains outside of fifteen feet, which is very hard to watch. Um, now, in the tournaments, you know, most recently, the last two or three events, if I remember correctly, I apologize for that. Basically, two, three, uh, three out of the four rounds or two out of the three rounds, she was a hundred percent in the thin circle, circle one. Right. And the only days that she was not were the Film days she was in front of the camera. Right. I, I'm sure you she know, notices. So... I'm sure she notices. Her and Jamie now, will the get other that thing, figured out. The other thing I wanted to point out, and this was an interesting one, she played MVP. She did not register for GMC. And the only reason I bring that up is because with her ninth place finish, hang on, let me, let me pull it up. I actually didn't pull up this up beforehand because I totally forgot I wanted to talk about this. Um, but to pull up the standings for FPO, she squeaked, and I do very much so mean squeaked, into a qualified for play-in. Um, she needed 60 points to qualify for a play-in, and she got 63. Right. Now, the reason I point that out is given the points total of the players that are in front of her as well, if she played GMC and placed top 10, which I think she would have because those courses both suit her very well, yes, she would have been guaranteed uh, qualified. Right. So I haven't talked to her about it. I'm curious. It's something to keep note of. Um I'm sure we will have her back on the show this off season, especially since she's, you know, the local player, the local pro for FPO in my area. Um, and, you know, I'll ask her about it, but I really thought that was an interesting decision right. to, to not play Vermont, especially since, you know, like most of the time she travels with Zach Melton mm-hmm. and Zach was there. I thought that was interesting. I don't know yeah. if you have any thoughts about that. No, I really don't. Um, Something just might have been off. Maybe she didn't feel good. I you just you just never know. Um, yeah, but she was she didn't drop. She was never just registered. registered. Yeah. But Maybe. the thing is, is that she was guaranteed registration based on her placement, her points, right. because it, it was, was a playoff, playoff based. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. So it had to have been a decision. Yeah, definitely a talked about, and I, I don't know. That's a great question. I do not know. Um. 
kind of got me there. I don't know why she wouldn't. But yeah. Other than that, um, in eighth place, Ella Hansen tied for sixth. You had Evelina Solonit and Owen Scoggins. We've talked a lot about their seasons and everything going mm-hmm. on. Performances are very similar. Um, and tied for fourth, you had Holland Hanley. Um, Holland's done some really awesome things this year. Yes. Um, and she has shown it. She has some parts in her game that she really needs to clean up. But if I had to like compare her to anybody, she's the American Hennebloomers. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Um, very similar play styles. They look very similar overall um, in terms of how they throw, the style they throw, the discs that they choose to throw. Um, and, you know, she has a chance to be a true contender coming up as well. And then again, tying for fourth with her was Diesel Deanne Carey. Yep. Um, again, kind of coming back to that, you know, distance isn't quite as big of a deal at MVP Open, um, even as it was at Smugs. You yeah. know, it's more about the golf lines. And she showed that she's capable of hitting those golf lines. Um, now, she's really like, she doesn't throw as far uh, during play, but I, I think she has a bigger arm than she lets on. So I kind of hope she takes this offseason, learns how to harness some of those lines. Right. Yeah, I think so too. And she has made the most of her playoff appearances. You know yeah. what I mean? I think she really, really suited herself well and yes I, I do you know you have the standings uh where does she sit she missed the qualify for play in line by Dang it. about 30 points needed one more event in the top yep. 10 and she would have been there um but yeah she you can't t- can't tell me she didn't give it her all trying to get there um no yeah i mean Basically, the way that you can put it for her is that she needed, um, she missed the cut uh, in a couple of tournaments. Yeah. Um, and if she, she doesn't even have to place well, she just needs to make the cut in a couple of the tournaments she misses and she's in. Yeah. But she didn't miss it by much. So you know no. what her goal is next year. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Going up the board, Third you place. had Paige Pierce, who, I'm not going to lie, I thought she was going to win. Yeah. Um, She went out there. She started the week with her interview telling the world that she doesn't have her killer instinct right now, and she doesn't care to get it back. Um, And she just went out there and showed that she still has it. <laughs> right. Uh, now, how hard she had to fight to use that killer instinct throughout the tournament, nobody will ever know. Um, or if she was just playing and having fun and she just happened to put the string together, you know, four really good rounds. Um, but she showed some killer instinct on multiple throws out there that I think you can call it having fun, but th- there was some killer instinct out there. Oh, yeah. She wasn't able to put it together, you know, and and take down the win, but she gave it a really good run. Absolutely. I think so as well. Um, I mean, that's about all you can say is she gave it a great run. Um, but yet, Kristen just edged her out just a little bit more. Yeah. Yep. Um, and we've said that a couple times this year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. But although Kristen did edge 
page out, it wasn't enough to take down the singular victory. She ended in a tie with Natalie Ryan. Yes. Um, which went to a playoff and ended on that first hole. Um, first things first, to give Kristen her credit, she did not, in my mind, really look like she had it this this that particular weekend. Right. Uh, she looked a little bit off, and she, you could see how hard she had to claw to keep herself in this one. It was not easy. Right. It took, uh, you know, we we just talked about the killer instinct from Paige. It took every little bit of Kristen's killer instinct just to even stay in this tournament, in my personal opinion. Right. Um, before we go into the, the playoff, um, I have a question. Um, do you think, I wrote this down on this one, that way I could remember it. Um, do you think that we will ever see another season to where a singular player finishes on the podium every event that they play in a single season? Every event. That's got to be a record. I So here's the thing is I, I want to... One of the things that Disc Golf Pro Tour did, and I didn't agree with it, and I actually called them out on Twitter for it, um, was they sent out a tweet and told the world, your leader in birdie percentage for 2022, Eagle McMahon. And I thought that was disgusting. Yeah. I love Eagle. Eagle is one of my favorite players in the world. But you, and I know it's an arbitrary title. They're not giving anything out for this. It's not like baseball where they're giving you a trophy and putting your name on a plaque. Right. And, which, you know, would be cool if they started doing that. But he played five events and he dropped one of them. Yeah. So he played four stat tracked events and had a 50% yeah. birdie percentage versus. Paul and Ricky, who were just a little bit behind him by a couple percentage points, basically, and played essentially whole seasons. Yeah. No, I mean, I agree with that completely. Now, Kristen so, did only miss three tournaments. She did. Um, she played a lot. Yes. Now, the only reason I bring that up is... You know, it, one of the things, if you talk about a stat like that, I'd say there has to be a minimum line. Absolutely. Um, of like how many events you play events to, like, or something like or, that. Or percentage, even. So yeah. you have to play, like, for one more baseball reference for all you folks out there. When they do batting average titles or strikeout titles or, or um, you know, percentage titles, a lot of those kinds of titles, you have to have a minimum at bats. You could have a 400 batting average, but if you only had 100 at-bats versus every other player in baseball that had 500, that's not a batting title, right? right? Now there has to be a number. So most of the time you say most players are getting 500 at-bats. 300 or 350 generally tends, up, tends to be the minimum requirement, right. which is somewhere in the, in the range of 65 to 75% of the maximum that you're right. seeing available, right? I think... You know, I'd have to, I'd have to double check it just to see. Um, 
Ah, ah it makes it so much easier. I didn't know I could scroll like that. Aha. <laughs> uh-huh. uh-huh. So she missed um, Masters Cup, OTB, Portland, Preserve, WDGC, Idlewild, and the European Open. That is much more than three events. Now, some of those are because of travel, not necessarily because of injury, but I do agree. Yeah. Right. So, you're talking about that. We'll say just for the sake of the conversation, only Elite Series and, and you know, because there were some Silver Series in there as well. So, that's one, two, three, four, five, six, six events. I say, first of all, super impressive. I don't think we will ever see anybody do it again. But I don't think that if she played three more events, we would have seen it this year. Because the thing about even the tour, because burnout is real. Obviously, it's not. And she and (laughs) she skipped half the season. Oh, she was gone for over two months. Six six events is not half the season. But you have to consider like what point in time in the season that it was. Yeah, but I mean. If you include the Silver Series, she missed nine events. And Masters Cup was one that most players played. Sula, she should have played because she would have she was European. Um you know you're talking so She missed nine that, out of forty one. Total total events. That's counting Silver Series and Majors. Um with that being said, um what what is the percentage of that? So, out, out of forty, um, eight would have been twenty percent. So she's a little bit over that. So like she missed twenty two, twenty three percent. Seven. So if you were doing your batting title, so to speak, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. 14, 15, 16, 17. She missed six of 17 Elite Series or better events. So six of 17, that's a third. So basically 35%, a little over. So if you were giving... She's close. It's just like, it's right there at that threshold. I see what you're saying, though. Because, and look, I can never say for sure that her having that break both physically and mentally, is what propelled her to continue the dominant performances that she had. It definitely but, couldn't have hurt it. Or couldn't have hurt. Exactly. It, it couldn't have hurt. Um, I don't think we'll, we'll ever see anybody do it again. And honestly, if we have any point in time where any player plays in a season like this, where you basically had your your 12... Um, 12 Elite Series, and then a playoff uh, or tour championships, and then um, four majors, so 17. I think that anybody who plays 10 out of 12 in all the majors has a burnout at least one event. Maybe. It's almost guaranteed. It's one of those things that we'll never know, honestly, because of this, the way this season worked. To your point, number one, 
I want to say I don't, I'm, you know, this is a fake stat. There's no title we're handing away no, here. No, not at all. So I commend her for doing what she did, and I'm going to tell you that I don't think it will ever be done again, especially if we hold it to that standard I just said. Right. I don't think anybody will ever play 75 to 80 percent of all the events available and not have not miss podium. One fall off. Right. Yep. I, it's just that's so unlikely. To definitely keep an eye out on, um, because if it ever happens, we will have our eye on it. Uh, as as will everybody else, um, but yeah, skipping back over uh, to the pond jump, um, Natalie Ryan ended up taking it down. Um, what uh, what do you think propelled her in the playoff? You know, I don't know. I really don't because here's the thing: is you know, Natalie Ryan has had a history this year of getting herself up into those lead positions, but if it gets close or it gets um, stressful in those last, you know, five or six holes, she generally tends to fall apart a little bit. Right. Um, and she did that again. And she did it with Kristen storming back for, you know, four straight birdies. Um and then the next par was a Natalie Ryan bogey. And she went up on 15 and just said, not a problem. And I I could not tell you what, what clicked for her in that moment. But when she went in there and she parred 15, I, uh, after Kristen bogeyed and they moved on to 16, I was like, she has a chance. Yeah. This isn't. This isn't like last time where it was like she had a big lead and all she had to do was just kind of not mess up or it wasn't like, you know, yeah. a couple of the other events where she just she kind of got, you know, she heard the footsteps coming if you will. Yeah. Um she she blocked it out somehow. I she silenced the footsteps. She did not hear them coming. She focused on her game. I don't know how she did it or what she did that changed, but it was very impressive. Yeah. Absolutely. And congrats to Natalie. <clears throat> Moving over um, into the MPO side of things, uh, go ahead and walk us down from 10th to 6th. Uh, okay, so tied for ninth, Jake Hebenheimer and Matt Bell. Hebenheimer put together a really beautiful final round, uh, nine down, bogey-free, you know, continuing Good to just cornhole putt. work that putt. The, the Hebenheimer, Hebenheimer is alive and strong. Um, Ricky Wysocki taken down tied for sixth along with Vinyl Makula and Kyle Klein. Um, nice none to of see them his had name. particularly, yes, none of them had particularly clean rounds. Uh, Vinyl looked really good when he wasn't bogeying. Kyle Klein was above average. Yeah. He played very well. Um, but he definitely left strokes on the course for right. sure. Uh, Ricky Wysocki, he was just there. Yeah, I think he was just having a good time. Uh, you know, I don't think he was really looking to do too much. I, it didn't um, seem like it, to be honest. Like, um, so there was, on the final round, there was a bit of a storm by Ricky and Paul. They were both on the same card. Um, they were on the third card. Um, yes. And they were in a little bit of a battle, back and forth. Um and it just kind of got to the point where they were doinking. Um, yeah. they, 
They both of them. Yeah, it was just had like like a three or four hole stretch where they just they punk. just doinked, and it kind of took them out of contention to win. Yep. It, it it like it took the wind out of their sails. It it really did. It's like all that and, momentum that they were building, just just left the area, and, more, and went to the so, chase card. Yeah, more so for Paul than than even Ricky. Yeah. Um. I mean. Paul's we'll go through so Paul and Gannon Burr tied um for third um Gannon not his most spectacular round out there five down um had a bogey and Did you see his almost bogey ace? 16 that was really yes that was so yeah. close they showed the Feldberg <laughs> okay. replay and where the hole yeah. was the exact same it was close yeah so uh but for Paul holes one and two par par and then from three to eleven, he went birdie, 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 bogey, birdie, 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 and then he stalled. Yeah, that was the doink. Fest. And he he stalled. This is this was the weirdest thing for me is he stalled in a scorable part of the course. Exactly, that was what I was going to talk about as well. Is like they started doing this on a section where we thought that they would get to, and it's like okay, this is where yep. you overtake the tournament. You've already got the hard to get holes. Now it's time yep. to get these and lock it in, and it just didn't happen. Yeah. All right. So for for Paul, basically twelve, thirteen, and fourteen all went basically the same way. Circle two missed circle two putt, and then hits his uh, circle one from five feet. So basically yeah. three straight, just nothing just, from circle two. Yeah. Which was really funny because during during that stretch of the birdie 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 know, he was yeah, hitting he 50 hit, footers hit, left and right he, he literally hit three 50 footers in a row during that stretch it can only <laughs> last so long <laughs> um yeah i i there there was definitely a moment there where i really thought paul was gonna set the number to beat i did too and he did technically yeah kind of uh, I mean, you're not wrong yeah you know he he set the number to beat yeah it just wasn't um, enough. No. Um it just wasn't. And you know, during this, it wasn't until about hole thirteen, hole twelve, hole twelve, when the commentators were like, hang on. Simon has a chance. Which is funny because I, I was watching it like about hole ten was when I saw him well, start to really like yeah. I was like yeah, okay. I was like, he's sneakily coming up. Um, like, he's birdieing all these holes. Um, and Corey Ellis was, he started off abysmal. It was a horrible start to a round. I don't, I, oh, heartbreaking. It, I cannot commend him enough for being able to come out after hole five after and and start stringing around together like can you imagine having the win in your grasps as he's had I'm, several times this year and then starting off that way and being able to bring yourself back into the lead like i mean he he basically became irrelevant yeah he was holes. down he was down to 11th place at one point yeah, he became irrelevant after seven holes. I mean, if this is for for anybody who's not who 
you know, wasn't looking directly at the scorecards, maybe not thinking too much about what was actually happening. Holes one through five went like this for Corey. Par, bogey, par, par, double bogey. Versus, Three over through five. Versus Gannon and Linus Carlson, who both went par and four straight birdies on yeah. that same stretch. That's a seven-stroke difference in five holes. And to come back from that and beat both of them. Yes. It's kind that, of... That's, that's what I, I'm I saying. Those, like you can't come in enough players up. I bring those players up because that was the card. That was your lead card. Yes. This is card one. Corey Ellis, Gannonburg, Linus Carlson, Thomas Gilbert. And to have the mentality to after hole five to just mentally fight back from that showed so much character and charisma. Yeah. I <laughs> I don't know. I I can't say now that I, I can't say that I wish it had turned out different, right? But I I'ma tell you, I'm you know how we had Team Benny this year? Uh, it's going to yeah. be a Team Ellis next year. It, it truly is. There, it's going to happen. We're going to be rooting for it. Um, Corey's going to bring one home. It, It's one of those things. It was it was hard to watch. Like, as, as a disc golf fan, seeing – I know Simon's the home crowd favorite, right? That's his home course. It is. Yes. But when they seen Corey mess up, and everybody's like Simon, I dude, my heart. I was like, bro, why? You know what I mean? Like it's it's sports fans. I get it, but like, can you imagine how Corey felt? I I mean, I mean, I it it calls me back to the tour championship last year. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, Drew versus Nathan very, Queen. Kind of. It's not very often you get into that type of a situation and you have an entire crowd just erupting for one single player. That's not even on your card. You know, it's yeah. just like, I mean, it was just one of those things there. I mean, it was, it was so hard to watch. Now, we're going to do what we always do. Every time we've gotten into one of these situations where there was a woulda, coulda, shoulda shot, we have to talk about it. Yeah. Whole whole 18. Yeah, I mean the the He throws the zone, which is one of his most comfortable shots. He throws the most immaculate drive. I mean, it was a great who, tee shot. I mean, yeah, yeah, for anybody who wasn't listening as well to like, you know, maybe they were watching and they had their sound down and they didn't know exactly what's happening, but or or maybe they saw post produced and maybe post produced didn't talk about it. Who knows? I I don't know, but Corey his game plan on hole 18 was fairway driver out the gap. Get off to, you know, straight to straight to left, but not too far left. There's OB too far left, especially with a power driver. Okay. So he was throwing fairway drivers and just getting himself into position, um, taking the par as it came. If he had a really nice putt that landed for birdie, that would have been great. The final round, he knew exactly what he needed to do. He changed his game plan. He went from his fairway driver um, up to, I want to say it was a force, yeah. if I remember correctly. is is um, If I remember correctly, too, in, in an interview, either the day before or something, he basically said, well, uh, it might have been a, a private interview with Brian, 
if I remember correctly. And he had said, well, no, fairway, fairway drivers is my play on the whole. Um, you know, last year or, you know, in previous years, I've thrown a force out there and it's just, there's just too much danger leaking that off left. If I, even if I throw it the way that I want to, it can leak left. And right. so he goes into this hole knowing he has one job and he throws the force, which was not his game plan for the weekend, throws the best, one of the best drives we had seen on the all hole weekend. all weekend long. And all he has to do is par to play off. Yeah. And then Birdie it, to win. You know, we, we all we all saw what we saw, which was um He shanked it. He held on to it too long. He grip locked it. I mean it's it's just straight straight over the stands. He put way too much on it. It still hooked up. It was just way too way too much power. And he even said afterwards um, that it was like he couldn't even feel his arm. It was like it was detached from his body. You know, yep. he was so disconnected by the moment. And sometimes it's it's just like that. And I really hated that. Um, but Simon was sitting there, and respect to Simon because he never once wound the crowd up not not once he sat there he watched the round everybody was like trying to pump him up fist him you know not fist him but like fist him, fist bump him and stuff and yeah it he was just like y'all calm down calm down like this isn't over you know and he was still yeah. trying to stay in that mode of hey i might have to play off this dude yeah. and so now we so we've set the scenario yeah. And now, so we we walk up to that throw, and there's two options. Mm. There's number one, risk the birdie for the win. And if you and if you do what he did, bank the playoff on the putt, which is what he ended up going for. Yeah. And we all know how. I mean, he he missed that putt by a couple of inches, basically. It it um, literally spun around. It spat out. It was it hit you the cage and spun out. So. The other option, of course, is to lay it up and put the win on the putt and have the playoff. Now, almost any other player, almost, I would say, go for the green. But Corey Ellis, and I know we've had conversations this year about the best putter in disc golf and this, that. And we've talked about Isaac, and we've talked about Andrew Marweed, who unfortunately, as good of a putter as his numbers have shown, has not been relevant this year. But last year, we talked about Corey Ellis being the best putter in disc golf. And I don't think that he has truly been dismantled from that title, even though the numbers are going to say right. he was not the best putter this year. He is top three putters in all of disc golf, hands down. Yes. Being that good of a putter and knowing that you're that good of a putter, is there a thought in your mind that says he should have laid up, put the win on the birdie putt from the edge of circle on that front section of, of the uh, out of bounds? Kind of like Paul Macbeth, I think in 2019, where he hit that nasty putt from the wall, basically, right. to win. Do something more like that, and then you still have the playoff if you miss. All right, so here's here's what I'll say. Your scenario is great, right? The only problem is 
it's not like it was 300 feet. You know what I mean? It's a 168-foot chip shot. <laughs> and it's one that... To, to is... one of the tightest greens in disc golf. Oh, I completely agree. But... It's it's a very executable shot. He was on the left or the more left side of the fairway, the easier accessible side of the fairway. Mm-hmm. If you scoot that twenty feet right, there's not a question in my mind you lay up. All right. Um in his position, I think he made the right choice. Um of course there's gonna be an argument both ways, you know, either for either side. Um as we've said before, I'll never um, mistake a player for trying to go for the win. Um, how, however, no, 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 we're we're, we're not blaming anybody now, for any decision they made. I want no, I want that to be very no, clear. no, not this at is all. Just, this is just our standard debate, like we've done exactly four or five times this year on woulda, woulda, shoulda, coulda. Right, I, but I wasn't done just yet. I was like. However, no, I'm, not you. I'm just I'm just making yeah. sure we we all we are all aware if you're listening. Um I, like I said, I don't think he made the wrong decision. Um because it's a very for a pro athlete, that's a very makeable shot. It through a yes, through a gap, it doesn't matter on a very tight green at 168 feet, you're dialed. Right? But if you walk up to that shot, and you feel disconnected, if you can't, you you really are not confident, there's not a second thought in my mind that I should throw that shot. That right there should tell you, hey, lay this thing up. All right? Settle myself. Get another shot at it. Let's take a putt for the win. If, it, if, it, if I miss, I'm not going to miss a 15-foot comeback. Right? So... If, yeah, the only if thing you, you walk to up to the shot, yeah, is not skipping off the top and going deep. Exactly, that's, that's the biggest worry. Exactly, and the chances of that actually happening are not very high with Corey's butt. Um, nope. but I, it, it's one of those things like you have to have that self awareness. Um, it like you talked about at the beginning of the show, you know, you you got to control yourself sometimes, make sure yourself's okay, and. Corey, at this point, he knew something was off. He should have went with the reliable play, tried to gather himself to make a yeah. putt for the win where it was way less challenging for somebody of his skill level. That's that's what I would say. <clears throat> so Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, to, to me, it kind of brings it brings back Champions Cup vibes, if you it will. It does, right? Like with with Kristen. Kristen. And, yeah. you know, that, that putt was dangerous. That was not, like, is, is there any anywhere in my mind that says that the best player in the world should not run that putt? No. But right. the other option was available. It is. And the same thing with, with Corey as well. Is you're talking, and the, the reason I, I almost think it's more compelling, the alternative argument for Corey than, you know, the laying it up for Kristen was because of everything that you pointed out on top of the fact that again, he's the best putter in disc golf in my mind. You're talking that you give your, you still give yourself the chance to win while securing a guaranteed playoff versus basically having to fight for a playoff 
on a lower percentage putt. Yeah. Right. Now I'm not going to blame him for what he did. It was the right decision for him in the moment. And that's how he felt. I'm going to back him up on that. Yep. But would have been interesting to see. Yeah. I mean, for sure. Um, Another thing that I wanted to point out is at this time, he obviously knew what he had to do, right? That was the reason he threw the driver. He knew there was yeah. a score in the, in, in the sap house to uh, compete with, right? He knew what he had to do. He knew what he had to beat. That was the reason yep. that he threw a driver, a distance driver, off of the tee. So with that being said, do you think knowing that it was Simon – and that this was his home course, do you think that that had anything to do with him going for it off of the, uh, off of the, for the upshot rather than laying up? Um, because a playoff with somebody on their home course with the home crowd behind them is probably not ideal scenario. Um, well, here's just the thing for kind me. Kind of bringing things up, you know. Yeah, here's the thing for me. And this is like, you know, we could talk woulda, coulda, shoulda all that we want to, but yeah. here's the thing. He went up to the T. He went to the T with a plan that was, again, as we've already talked, it was not his game plan. He executed that shot to perfection. perfection. Absolutely. After you've done that, I'm I'm going to be completely honest. Woulda, coulda, shoulda is all fine and good, but I walked up there and I executed a shot that wasn't in my game plan to give myself the best chance to win. I'm probably sh- throwing the second shot in my new game plan no matter what. Yeah. And that's, that's exactly what you're talking about. You're talking like it's a 162 shot. Uh, yeah, it's a tight window. I put it in the perfect spot. I put it in the perfect distance. Exactly. It is under 200 feet. That's, you know... For money range 99.9% of throws throughout the entire season, that is literally, I mean, for me, if I'm inside of 150 feet, that is a guaranteed circle one up and down. Yeah. There are, you know, I could not tell you the last time that I didn't doink a tree in a tight gap that I had 150 upshot and I missed circle one. Yeah. Right. And I am not that good. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be completely honest. I mean, that's just. So that's, that's. That's the the truth and the nature of, of what we're talking about here is is that he executed that first shot. I don't think when that disc came out of his hand, there was probably not even a second thought as to what shot he was going to throw when he walked up. Yeah. And for that, I have to commend him because that means he was at the very least very committed to what he was doing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree. Um, but um, with all that being said, um, he did. Uh, grip lock it into the OB, uh, walked up, barely missed his um, par putt from the drop zone that is right outside of the green. It's probably a 65-footish putt. Um, yeah, edge somewhere, of circle two. Somewhere, yeah, okay, somewhere right around there. And he caged it. Uh, he, he went around the ring of the cage, and that – that sealed it up and then having to deal with those emotions you could tell it was really tough for him um he made sure to uh congratulate simon hug simon uh and he tried to stay around for the trophy presentation but he could not um he went inside the sap house sat down and uh you know 
I'm sure was going over everything in his head. Um, yep. I I feel like the cameraman kind of. I I understand it makes the story, right? It it just shows how much it means, but that was yep. hard to see. It was hard to see. Um. But Simon was. I mean, he was on on the final day, and he proposed a score to beat, and it didn't get beat. Therefore, he is your MVP Open champion. And he got to take a jump into the pond, as many of you will see on his upcoming blog, if it's not already out. Um, He made (laughs) sure to uh, get that (laughs) vlog camera going for his first time uh, at the pond jump. Uh, (laughs) I think it was... Uh, that's a cool tradition, to be honest. Like one of the one of the best in all of disc golf, honestly. I, I think so too. Um, it, it it's happened for so long that it they can always show those flashbacks, right? Yeah. It's it it shows the history of the game, and that's something that's irreplaceable. So I'm glad that they keep that tradition going. Um, one little thing that I did not like truly did not like um it annoyed me to be honest um was steve dodge at at the end uh of the trophy presentation i feel like he made sure that people knew who he was and that he started the disc golf pro tour like he he (laughs) he inserted himself and was like, this is my tournament, this is my event, this is my venue, and this, <laughs> this was my, my tour. Um, but I, I don't know. It just, to me, the way that it went about was not as professional as it has been uh, lately. Um, you know, Brian, he didn't even get a chance before Steve ripped the microphone out of his hand and Brian's like, oh, well, here, here, take my pack off while it's on camera. And, <laughs> you know, Steve's like, hey, do, 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 do. is this thing on? You know? It's like, yeah, bro. He was just talking on it. I, yeah. I That, to me, that annoyed me. I did not like that. I, Steve Dodge might be a great person. Leave the network stuff to the network people, please. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I I did not read into it nearly as much as you did. <laughs> I, <laughs> I I'm sorry. I'm not sure was, if I just wasn't so paying attention. That was that was my that was my Ethan's drama. Um, for the week, <laughs> I, I it bothered me. I just I was like, why? Why do you feel like you're that important? Um, hell. Speaking of Ethan's drama, I have a little Daniel's drama for the the segment that happened in the broadcast right after that. Okay. Yep, I'm with so it. Of course we got of course we got the, you know, points cup. Yep. Um given out there and I got to be honest, I don't know what was going on with the estimated points cup numbers, but whatever they were talking about on the broadcast of currently who was where and which and what, they were not right in any way shape or form because they went through all these numbers like Currently, Paul has this much of a lead on Ricky, and the final placement when they said that versus the way that the tournament actually finished in placement was the same. 
So I don't know how Paul still lost by 20 points. Right. Like, I'm like, where did the 20 points just come from? Like, I, what? I don't. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> whatever the, the, the numbers you were talking about, whatever. So that, that bothered me. <laughs> like, you shouldn't have just, you should have just not talked about it at all. If, if you're, I don't know if the live updating just wasn't updating fast enough. Um, you know, the point standings on the actual UDISC website does not update until post round anyway. So it's not like we could see, we saw where they were at and, you know, what they needed, but, um, yeah, who knows? Yeah. Now they, they got down to the presentation of that all and Paul Macbeth declined his interview. Yeah. I Um, thought that was weird. So I think it was a... Um, a thing to where like Jeff Spring was almost like kind of saying, "Hey, yeah, here, here, here," you know, like he did it with Gannon, he did it with Vinny, and Vinny's How, like, he 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 shoved it in Vinny's hands. Yeah, like, here you go. And yeah. Vinny's like, "Oh gosh, do I have to?" <laughs> yeah. And then when he did it to Paul, it was almost, I think, because of that. All right, because they he had just did that to Vinny. I think it was almost like a stand up for the players type thing. Like I'm not, he- I'm just here so I don't get fined type of thing. Um, <laughs> that that's kind that's kind of like the rebellious side. I don't, I didn't read too too much into it. I know it was a huge thing on Twitter. Um, but that's that's honestly my take because I was like that was kind of spiteful. I like it. That was kind of, yeah. It kind of well, and it kind of looked like, oh man, I don't like. It's like is Macbeth turned without, heel? <laughs> with without like putting too much on it, it, it to me, it kind of looked like Macbeth was like, man, I don't, I don't want to stand near Jeff Spring more than I have to. Yeah, that's that's almost <laughs> as what weird it as like. it is. That's that's kind of now. I know a lot of people also kind of said, well, you know, it he's could probably be. just trying not to take the light because he was the second place and he wanted to give the time to to Ricky, the winner, or whatever it was. It didn't feel like that to me, but it could completely yeah, have been it could that. Be. Now, the reason I bring it up though is because you're talking about a player who literally a few weeks previous called out one of the greatest of all time for not being present in the sport. Yeah. And then gets awarded second place in the points and an opportunity to, you know, thank his sponsors or whoever it might be, you know, say something, who knows, inspirational if he really wanted to. Right. And he declined to interview altogether. I thought that was a really Another, interesting thing. I, I, I completely agree. Another thing that just came to me, though, is – you know, Paul is a big proponent to, if you're not first, you're last. Um, 100%. So maybe this second place trophy meant nothing to him. Uh, yes. Well, it's not unlikely. Um, you know, if if you're not if you're not first, you're last. You know, it, Paul talked about it on multiple occasions throughout the entirety of the season. I'm tired of putting good rounds together. I want to win. Yeah. Um, he didn't. He didn't win the event. He didn't win the points. So therefore, you know, he that's... was like, "There's no sense in me getting the the spotlight." So yeah, maybe. You know, yeah, could be could be one of those things. I just thought it was an, an interesting move. Uh, I'm not going to blame him for it. I don't think he nah. did anything wrong. He's not required um, to do it. I just thought it was it was an interesting move overall. 
um, and whatever his ulterior motives were for it, whether they were good or bad or malicious or kind, who knows? I don't know. I did think it was. I'm just a guy. Like Gannon, (laughs) Gannon's like Gannon was the polite one. He's like, you want me to say something? You know? And (laughs) and he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here you go. Um, Yeah, yeah. And then Vinny, he's just like. Take this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Vinny's like, oh, hold up. Like, what are you trying to, are you drugging me right now? What's going on? Vinny, Vinny in true Vinny fashion sounded like he could not, you know, wait to be anywhere but there. Yeah. <laughs> yep. He's like, I'm uh... on my way to USDGC in my head right now. <laughs> but, I, uh... you know, it's, he's like, sorry, I couldn't put on a better show for you here. <laughs> you know, I didn't string it together here, but. Yeah. So, with all that being said, um, you know, FPO, your points, your points champions for the year, uh, FPO, Chris and Datar taking down the win. Paige Pierce got her second place. Katrina Allen taking down third place. Um, Owen Scoggins with fourth. Uh, top four over there. MPO, your points leaders, Ricky Wysocki. Um, Paul Macbeth taking down second place, um, five points shy total. Um, and then Calvin Heinberg taking third, uh, Gannon Burr taking fourth. Yeah. Chris Dickerson missing by one event, basically that fourth point, uh, fourth spot in the point. And this also means that they get the direct buy as well, um, straight to the semifinals, correct? Or to the quarterfinals. Top eight to semifinals. Okay. Um, and then nine through sixteen to the quarterfinals in MPO, and then seven to seventeen to thirty qualified, thirty-one to thirty-six are play-ins. Um, I think it's worth pointing out here real quick that of course Nico does not qualify for the play-in. So although he is in the qualified for play-in section, uh, Jake Hebenheimer will actually take the final play-in spot for Nico Lacastro. Got you. Um, Get to see your... some Hebenheimer. Um, Hebenheimer. And then uh, it's also worth noting he's not going to be there. He's already announced it. But Eagle technically did qualify for a play-in spot um, just for winning a major. Right. So, again, doesn't mean anything, but it is there. <laughs> uh, F- FPO, um, it goes 1 through 4 to semifinals, 5 to 14 qualified. 15 to 19 qualified for the play-in. And then Haley King being the only qualified for a play-in without points for WDGC. Yep. Okay. So. There we go. Speaking of Nico. Yeah, let's. that was a great little segue. We'll get right into it. Bring um, it on in. So what we had talked about during the... Uh, whole Nico suspension podcast uh, that we had released is we expected um, a, a suspension, um, but it was not necessarily uh, handled in the same way as some of the other uh, class two or whatever um, allegations um, had been handled. Um, and we didn't really know if it was right or if it was wrong or, you know, we, we kind of thought that it may have been a little much. Uh, overall, that's what we thought. And yeah, turns I, thought out, I, I, I would have been fine with a year. He ended up with less than a year. 
Um, and he put through an appeal for anybody who didn't know, and his appeal was partially successful. Right. Um, as to having been reduced to a six-month suspension. However, on the backside, they increased his probationary period. Right. So, in other words, his probationary period is still exactly the same as, as what it was. It just means he gets to play, you know, uh, a little bit sooner. So all they did was transition, you know, three months essentially from um, suspension to probationary period. Which right. It is what it is. Yeah. Now, I don't know how you feel about it. I'm personally of the opinion. Um, and here's the thing. The, the PDGA commissioners board, the people who actually handle all of this and yada, 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 they do not release official statements regarding. They do not talk about internal matters like this. They basically, um, at the very least, they... I wouldn't even say announce the suspension. They basically right. leak the suspension to a, yeah. a pertinent party. In this case, multi world um, disc golf was yeah. the first one. And I don't know who was the first person to tell them could have been Nico who leaked it. To, I don't know, but uh, you know, the, it, it got out and PDGA is adamant that they will never talk about it. They will release the statements they need to, but they're never going to talk about the decisions, why they made the decisions or ex feel the need to explain themselves, which is fine. But personally, I'm kind of of the opinion that I feel like it's a very NFL-esque situation where they put out a suspension knowing that it was going to get appealed and that they were probably going to reduce it. Yeah. And in my opinion, they put out a suspension number knowing that that was not going to be the final suspension number that was withheld. Yeah. So they put a, a suspension number out there that went into the touring season of next year and backed it off to where he would be eligible now at the beginning of the pro tour. Right. It, it, it sounds like they were aware of what was happening. <clears throat> they, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know about you. You, you can give me your full take on the situation or whatever, but that's my thoughts is, is they knew exactly what they were doing when they, um, they put that first suspension out there and an appeal was going to come in. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I don't, that would be my take as well. So, for anybody who's wondering, Nico LaCastro, uh, you know, again, cannot qualify for any events this year remaining. So, obviously, Pro Tour, um, USDGC. He's playing play. USDGC. I did not see him on the on the registered list. Uh, make sure. Uh, he's out there training right now. Yeah, I know he's taking part in the festivities. I don't think he's playing. Uh, make sure, though, just in case. See, let's see here. Because the European oh. Open was a major, which is PDGA, correct? Yes. Oh, but USDG, it's not sanctioned. It's not rated, but it is sanctioned. Okay. Yeah, we have, because remember, we had this whole yeah. conversation before, too. Like, everybody was saying, well, he still gets to play USDGC. He still gets it. No, it is a sanctioned event. It is not officially rated. The ratings do not affect you. I see. Um, so they yeah. and they still do ratings. They just uh, the ratings are not posted to your players' score. Um, so I don't see him on here still. But I did. Uh, let me see if I can. Uh, 
I because I know in one of his posts he said something about being out there. Yeah. Um. But one of those things where. Yeah, so it, the Ulti World says uh, um, that Nico is in Rock Hill this week taking part in the festivities of the final major of the year, but not right. that he is playing. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, uh, that's I was just curious um, because I seen him out there. And that I I don't know I don't know I just assumed he would be playing I don't know why else he would be there <laughs> I mean he is he not like because he is a past champion yes um but it. it... Guess we'll get to see. I I don't know. I mean, it's still it's still listed as a a sanctioned event on on the PDGA website. Right. Yeah. Status sanctioned. Let me just do it this the easy way. I can actually look this up too. Yeah, he's not on the list. He's not registered. Sometimes you just got to control F and type in his name. So much easier. I don't know why I didn't do that sooner. <laughs> Sorry for uh, yeah. the static silence, everybody. Yeah. We were really <laughs> uh, just curious. Um, I was especially. I was like, he's there. I, but, I was confident. I was just trying to help him be confident in my confidence. Yeah. There you go. <clears throat> um, uh, an interesting name that we are seeing return to USDGC given his time off is Nathan Queen yeah um, you know we'll talk about this more um, next week but it's kind of unfortunate that he's not able to try to defend his crown yeah yeah, I mean, it, it's pretty disappointing, but you know what? I'm glad he made that decision. Um, for anybody who's not been following, he was very kind of like mum about it. He didn't talk about it a whole lot. And then finally, a few, like a month ago, I think he put a post on his Instagram that basically said, hey, uh, you know, it's been rough. I haven't been able to play, but I'm thankful for the time to heal and just kind of focus on other parts of my life. So, right. Um, Glad to see. I, I'm hoping that it's not just he's registered and he's going to have to drop final minute. Um, so, I mean, it's yet to be seen, but he is still on the registration list. So, for, I, I hope he... No, I'm not talking about for USDGC. I'm talking about for Disc Golf Pro Tour Championship. To, to, yeah, I, yeah, I know that. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm saying, like, he, he hasn't played enough events to qualify for the Tour Championship. Right. For anybody who's wondering. I'm just saying that, I mean, this, is, this would be his first event back from injury. Right. So it's yet to be seen that he's he actually gets out there and doesn't drop, but 
Uh, if he does, good for him. I'll be yeah. happy to see him back. I, I had high hopes for his season, and, I mean, he basically got injured day one. <laughs> yeah. yeah so, that's, unfortunate. that's disappointing. Before we get into our USDGC preview, though, why don't we talk about the um, 2023 event schedule okay. that has officially been announced? Um, and before we get to that, even chat has a question. Uh, Semi on topic, can Nico caddy with the suspension? Uh, would be crazy to have another major with caddy drama. Uh, I don't know. The The rules on caddying are not laid out in a very good fashion, officially. Yeah. Uh, outside of the fact that you can't have children's uh, out on the course with you. Thanks, Elaine. Um, I mean, what? Yeah. I didn't say that. Um, so I don't, I don't have any idea. Uh, I've I don't know what the official rules for caddying are and whether being um, suspended from play would affect him in any manner. So it's possible that he can be out there. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I don't see why he couldn't be. Yeah. I mean, apparently he's allowed to take, you know, part in the festivities. So he's allowed yeah. to be on the premises. Yeah. I mean, they're not, they're not, they're not looking like he's a, an armed criminal, you know? So <laughs> hopefully, not yet. yeah, not yet um hopefully you know I, hopefully this is the best thing that's happened to him he gets his head on straight he can still be yep. he can still be nico that everybody either loves or hates without being confrontive um and yep. borderline verbally abusive uh so <clears throat> it's yeah yeah i we we will get to see uh whether or not nico um, learns <laughs> from this or not. Uh, here's a, here's another question. Can you call the tide the caddy for a time violation? Imagine he's like, wait, 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 not this disc. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. No, no, wait, no, wait, wait, no, 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 no. Wait, let's check the wind. All right, <laughs> no. Okay, no, 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 no. Back to the first one. Yeah, yeah. Back yeah, to the back first to one. one. Oh, it's it's got a speck of dirt on it. Let's watch. Wait, oh my gosh, it's raining now. What do we do? All right, the wind has completely changed from 15 seconds ago. What are we doing? No, <laughs> no, it won't be that bad. Um, uh, yeah, no. We were just uh, poking yeah, so, fun. So um, to, to officially answer, no, I have I have no idea. I'm yeah. I'm sure he is, and if he is, good for him. I'm sure he'll have a great time either way. Yeah, not as not as much fun as if he was playing. I'm sure, but do we know. still know if uh, him and Cat Mercher's still a thing? Are they still together? Do we know? I'm going to be completely honest. I'm the worst at following people's personal lives. The yeah, only person I have any either. insight, the only person I have any insight to their personal lives recently is Simon. Yeah. And that's because, because he got married. His most, his most recent video showed a little bit of the wedding. Yep. <laughs> yep. I'm the same way. I was just wondering because I was like, potentially maybe at throw pink, you know? Um, yeah. Maybe caddying for cat, but I, eh, possible. Eh. I don't know. I don't know. But um, all right. I guess we'll get to see then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so before we we get to that, um, we'll finish out the show with our our preview of USDGC, and then we'll see you next week. But before we get there, the Pro Tour announced their event schedule for next year. Yeah. A little earlier than I had expected. I mean, last year they kind of they waited till the off season. Um. Uh, no, I know that there it. was that. 
to be fair, there was the big merger that happened last year of, you know, yeah. national tour and pro tour. So it probably took them a little longer to get this all planned out than it did this year. Um, so for next year, they have already had a, a decent job of, of planning everything out. So right now on the schedule, and I know there's going to be a ton added, but there are seven silver series events. Um, the, if you guys are looking for it, you can actually go to discgolfprotour.com. It's in their announcement section, 2023 schedule. Um, should be super easy to find. Um, so seven, seven events in the article, it kind of goes through. We're planning on adding a ton of those. That's not, you know, all that there is. There's going to be some really fun ones. Um, super excited for those. Yada, 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 whatever they're trying to build. Hype. They're, they're still silver series events. They did change the name. They are no longer silver series events. They're just silver events. Uh, right. Same thing with Elite Series. Elite Series are no longer Elite Series events. They are just Elite events, and Playoff events are no longer considered Elite Series events. They are going to be officially titled as Playoff events. I'm not sure that that really changes from this year, but they're making it a little more proactively right. known, I guess. Not not really sure. Um, so you have 13 Elite events this this upcoming year. Three Playoff events, including the Tour Championship. So still the same amount of Playoff events. Um, they are upping the elite events, though, so that's nice. Um, and then they are—I I believe it's more than that. Oh, is it? I, I thought there was because so, I thought there were—I thought it was ten, ten this year with two playoff. Maybe, maybe. Don't quote me on that. Chat, if you have any idea, let me know. Is it ten plus two or was it twelve plus two? I thought it was ten plus two playoffs. Uh, five pro majors, of course, one of them being WDGC. Um, so right. Four, technically. Um, I don't know about Throw Pink. I wish that WDGC would be Throw Pink. Like, I... I agree. 100% yeah, just, I agree. That, that's one of the most confusing things to me. Is how are you going to have USDGC going on at the same time as Throw Pink and Throw Pink's an Aces? Yeah. Uh, uh, I it is it, what it is. Yeah, it uh, is what it is. Uh, here we are. <laughs> so, um, anyways, uh, the one thing that they are adding is something called Elite Plus events. Um, so there will be two of those added. Uh, according to basically what they're saying, Elite Plus is going to be very specifically part of um, increasing the fan experience um, and some of the media coverage and presence at these events. Um, the Elite Plus events that you're going to see are the Portland Open, which returns for Elite status, and Ledgestone, which will return for Elite status. Um, so both of those are going to be upgraded to Elite Plus. I'm interested to see what all exactly that's going to entail on, uh, you know, what that means overall. Right. Um, but we'll kind of go through the list, and we'll talk about... Everything in terms of what's upgraded, downgraded, new altogether, who knows what. Um, so, All-Star Weekend, uh, February 17th. Um, still going to be in the... I think they're returning to uh, Arizona. Nice. As they did last year. Um, Las Vegas Challenge is an elite. Is February 23rd. Waco, March 10th, still an elite. The Open at Austin. March 17th, that is an elite event. That is new. Uh, Texas State Championships, March 24th, was downgraded to a silver event. Good decision there. Yeah. I know I, some people might not agree with me on that, but Texas State has, it underwhelmed me this year. Yeah. Um, well, I, I remember not... the baseball field 
uh, conundrum. I, I feel like Silver Event is right up its alley. Great course. Not a big enough venue. Really hard to... I'm going to be the devil's advocate here and and say that's the dumbest take I've ever heard, considering we're literally going into <laughs> USDGC this week and we're playing a major around baseball fields. <laughs> and I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it. And I don't think the Pro Tour... Without the nostalgia and the history of it, I don't think it would last. But yeah, I don't. Yeah, oh, it's it's it is a hundred percent. Um, you know, it's the, it's not professional. Yeah, but there's just not enough courses on tour yet to to be that level of professional. There's just not not of the level that they need to be for the pro tour. Could be. That's just that's just how it is. Um. But the prestige of Winthrop is going to keep it around even with mm-hmm. the baseball fields for at least a few more years. I, I agree. I hope it changes. It, I think USDGC is he said severely... It was the I think it's severely outgrown. I'm just saying that the fact that you're saying Texas State should have been downgraded because of the baseball fields while we're literally coming up on, mm-hmm. on Winthrop week is... But it's that, exactly the, the way that I feel. <laughs> you're not wrong. <laughs> oh, see? Uh, Thank you. I may take that dumb dumb argument, but I didn't like it. And a lot of people didn't like it. Listen, you don't need to get all ball in your mic like that, okay? I can hear you just fine. (laughs) Don't get me heated. I'm already two hours into this thing. Listen, I'm not Linda. We got to finish this show eventually. Okay. Let me know. This is the super episode. Super. All right, I guess we're going all night, boys. Yeah, I'm get a, your if friends, you tag snoring. them in the comments, get them in here right now. We're going all night. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fifty follows for another hour. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, so, anyways, Texas State did get the downgrade to uh, Silver Series. I'm not gonna look. I'll be honest. The baseball fields were not the problem with Texas State for me. I just didn't like it. I I thought it was very underwhelming. Um, and I'm I'm thinking the Pro Tour felt the same way. Uh, Music City Open has gotten the nod uh, to the big leagues um, and has been upgraded to an elite event. Which, um, we need to talk about this. Um, they don't know where it's played yet. I think they know. I don't um, think they would have upgraded it to an elite if, if they didn't have at least a proposal in place. So the course is not no. finished um, at all. I know last year after Mill Ridge was taken down, um, yeah. because which is the last time Mill Ridge will ever be used for anybody who didn't know. Yes, Mill Ridge is no more. Um, I went out there the other day, drove by there, and they were doing goat yoga, um, at Mill Ridge. So I'm sorry. Can we just end the show on that? <laughs> uh. A <laughs> was, I went out past the, the disc golf course from Music City Open in 2022. And it was hosting and yoga. yoga. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I it was it was a sight to see, uh, unfortunate sight to see that something, it was a great course. Truly a great course. Great water features. Cactus features. Very tough holes. Um, Sean Sinclair did a great job designing that course this year. Um, yep. However, it's 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 it just can't work anymore. Um, 
the, the Metro just said no. So from what I was told last year during an interview was that they are moving the Music City Open to Ravenwood. Um, Ravenwood was used for the Music City Open in 2018. Um, as a temp course that year. Though, as a it? temp course, correct. Right. Um, and it has not been touched until this past year, supposedly. But I guess that they've got the grant for it or something, the permissions that they needed. Um, what we will do uh, for sure is get the TD on here for Music City Open and kind of explain to us what, what's going on. That way we know and we're not feeding out false information because this is just what I've heard of yeah, in look, the past. Look, I... It, I'm I'm just gonna repeat what I said. Basically, if they upgraded it to an elite series, an elite event, sorry, yeah. that's gonna um, be a hard thing to knock. It's gonna be hard. Yeah, it, well, and it's not just that. It's they the proposal that was put in place to have a course ready, whether it's a new course, whether they're going back to old courses, redesigning mm -hmm. them, whatever it is. There has to have been a solid plan put in motion. Otherwise, they would have said. Silver one more year, show us what you do, and then we'll update you. Right. So the proposal is probably is not even solid anymore. It's set in stone if they're announcing right. it on the schedule. Yeah. So I'm confident it's going to be good. Yeah. No. Uh, one, I, one way or another. Hey. But if, if you there's can one thing I know, the, if you can organize the two on from the phone, you get her get them in. You know, we we need to do so many interviews this off season. Oh, we will uh, try to. If do you are still, if you are still listening right now. First of all, thank you. Second yeah. of all, send us some DMs. Twitter or Instagram is the best place to DM us right now. Yep. Um, you can do Facebook here on Facebook as well if you're live. Um, but Twitter, Instagram, best place to DM us. Let us know who you want us to interview this offseason. We will do our best to set up as many as we feasibly can according to, number one, their schedules, number two, willingness to do so, and number three, our schedules. Yep, absolutely. Uh, we plan on doing many, many much more. Um, many much yep this offseason okay moving on uh blue ridge championship at north cove that's going to be a silver event april 14th um, champions cup what ahead. did you say silver cove where was that north cove north cove where is that what state is that that's uh it's too small i can't see it hang on oh shoot it's it's so blurry. Put your spectacles on. I'm no, it's it's pixelated. Like it's North Carolina. I don't know. I think it's North Carolina. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. North Carolina. It's, right. I'm right, it's right across from me. It's probably only a couple hours from me, honestly. That's I, uh, the reason I was wondering is because you know. Um, maybe we do media at both or something if yeah, it was close. Cool. I don't know. All right. Go yeah. Ahead. Hopefully we can get out to a couple of events next year. I really yeah. want to get to Jonesboro next year too, or not Jonesboro. Um, Ledgestone. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, Champions Cup. DRC is uh, North Carolina. April, right. Thank you, Chat. Yes. Uh, April 20th. Um, that's going to be your first major of the year. And it is returning to Applin. I'm so glad that they took it away from Toboggan. I love Toboggan, but. Keep it in one spot, please. Yeah. 
Champions Cup I really, belongs at W.R. Really Jackson. I really want Worlds to be the only um, Rover Major. Um, and I, I, I don't wholeheartedly like, I don't, agree I don't, with that. I don't like Rover Majors at, at all, um, you know, but the world title just holds too much to be held in one spot, unfortunately. Yeah. So I don't I don't want it to be a Rover, but I understand why it needs to be. Yep. Uh, Jonesboro, April 28th. That is an elite OTB open. That's interesting. Wait, what? Jonesboro. Yeah, so, it's gonna... so it's going Champions Cup, then Jonesboro at April 28th. Okay. So that's pretty much the same as last year. Yep. Straight over to OTB Open okay. on May 12th. Um, Beaver State, still a silver series. So there May is a skip 19th. in the week. There's a week yes. off there. All right. There's a week off for travel. Good good call. Um, and then Portland Open, May 25th. That's going to be your first Elite Series Plus event. Um, again, if you want the full details on what they mean by Elite Series Plus, read this article. It goes into better detail than i am but better fan experience hopefully it turns out to be really good i'm yeah i'm excited i hope that they're going to deliver on making the plus actually mean something and not just ending up being a, a regular event uh and then interestingly enough we're going to come back around over to dynamic disc open on june 16th there'll be okay. another week off there that's going to flip over to uh, that's an elite uh, Des Moines Challenge is elite again, and that's going to be June 23rd. That oh. is going to go to the preserve. So an interesting flip there. Okay. Yeah. Um, bringing dynamic discs on this side of the West Coast swing and then putting preserve on the other side of it as well. Not sure how I feel about the flow, but I'm sure they had their reasons behind it, so I don't want to say too much about it. Um, Disc Mania open uh, July 7th. Where is that? Where I'm looking right now. Because that's new. That one's going to be in Canada. That Canada. One, that's the Canadian event that they're adding. Okay. Yes, I knew that they were adding one, and I was pretty confident it was that, but I just wanted to be sure. Um, so that's going to be your Canadian event this year. That's going to nice. be a silver. Um, so pretty excited about that. La, 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 la. Back to where I was. PCS Open is returning again. And it also got the nod to the majors. It is it going to be elite it. this year as opposed to um, a silver. And why not? It was a beautiful venue. It was the courses amazing. were run immaculately. It deserves to be uh, absolutely for sure. Um, that's going to be followed by the European Open, which is returning for a consecutive year for the first time in a very long time. I know that it's run a consecutive year in the past at one point. I just don't remember when. Um, that's July 20th. You're going to come back over the pond in August 3rd will be Ledgestone, which will be your second Elite Plus event. Um, so there you go. Uh, Idlewild will be an Elite. Uh, that is on August 11th. Uh, Great Lakes Open, which is going to be a playoff, and that's going to be August 17th. Okay. Rochester Flying Disc Open is a silver series. That's going to be August 25th. Um, I believe that's in the uh, northern North Atlantic region. Um, yeah, so that's going to be in New York. And then from there, we are going to go into Worlds. And that is going to be at Smuggler's Notch, August yep. 30th. Um, from Worlds, you will go into the next playoff event. That will be Maple Hill 
on September 14th. Uh, after that, uh, USWDGC has been closed in the gap a little bit this year. That is going to be September 21st. Um, let me zoom in again on this one because I don't remember exactly where that's going to be. I know it's in uh, North Carolina. I believe it's Burlington. I don't remember the venue name. Chat, if you remember the venue name, please you know pop it in there for me real quick. I'll read it off. But yes, that's uh, North Carolina. Um, and then October 5th, USDGC Pro Tour Championship is going to be October 12th. So that's that's your schedule. And so if you look at it, I, I believe it was in twenty in twenty what you're Oops. talking about. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Okay, hang on just a second. Okay, so we had um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. So, yes, one more, one more elite series event this year. All right. Um. So to recap, your your upgrades are. The Open at Austin. That's going to be a completely new event. That's not Belton. That is Austin, if I remember correctly. Um, and then Music City Open getting the call up. It's not. It wasn't on there. Um, it could be added. Again, they're adding silver events still. We don't have all of those scheduled yet. Um, so it's possible that that one slips in there. I don't know where based on the scheduling right now, though. So to Open at honest. Austin gets go ahead. To be honest, um, I remember us last year saying that Belton felt like a bigger tournament than Texas State's. So I'm wondering, you know, look kind of where it goes. Texas State's got sent to the minors for a reason, and I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. They don't have to so get back into it. <laughs> Open at Austin got, uh, got the call up to uh the majors music city open got the call up to the majors and then pcs got the call to up the, the elite not 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 majors just just to, i know, I know a, what you're saying that's a, that's a base a base not everybody is baseball. listen listen we're calling they're calling them up to the major leagues here this is a real event now it's not it's not something that you can skip okay yeah it's it's listen. it's an elite event it is Listen, if you got through this entire <laughs> list of me talking about all these events where I told you exactly what type of event it was and you're still confused by me calling, saying they got called up to the majors, I don't know what to tell you. For the rest of you, please DM him on Instagram and say you're dumb. No. <laughs> I'll be glad to talk um, to you, though, and explain to you why <laughs> I am dumb. <laughs> i got no excuse i just am mm -hmm. i don't i'm not even gonna tell you why i'm dumb i don't even know that i know why i'm yeah, dumb. I'm just, i are I dumb am. i are dumb mm -hmm. overall it looks good i'm a little confused by the flow of the tournaments um like the order in which you're going to go through them but 
The only thing that I have a complaint about is that it goes playoff, world's playoff. I wish it went yes, world's that, playoff, playoff. That is my biggest complaint that, as well. That is my um, only complaint as of right now. You know. Well, but, I, I kind of. I don't. I don't know. I still. I'm not a big fan of going to. So you, you go from Vegas, to Texas. Uh, we did that last year. I I know, and I didn't like it. But you, so you go Vegas to Texas, to Georgia, to Arkansas, back to the West Coast for OTB in Portland, and then you go down to the mid. West and then up to the North Midwest and then back to the Midwest. Yeah. That's the one that can be outside of the playoffs. That was the one that confused me the most was um, going at least it Jones, wheel, going Jonesboro, OTB, Portland, and then DDO, Des Moines, and Preserve. One thing that I will say is at least it's not a huge jump in between them from East to West. At least they put the mid in between them. Um, it obviously is just what worked yeah. the best. However, there's several of them that I'm kind of surprised not to see back. Um, Santa Cruz, I the Masters Cup. I kind of feel like that one. So where? So where's OTB? So you have Jonesboro's April 28th, and then OTB is not till May 12th. I would be very surprised to not see. Masters Cup be re-upped for a silver in that weekend. The only only problem with Santa Cruz was the location, right? It's just a very unsafe area. Um, well, I don't even think it's that. I think like unsafe how un- unsafe like area, not not course wise or anything like that. I'm talking about like people crime, crime scene. Like it's it's a very um, listen. So, let me let me let me let me learn you. Let me quick. learn you. Let me learn you real quick. Uh, OTB Open is hosted in Stockton, which is basically the crime the capital worst. of the world. Right. So, I it's uh, Santa Cruz really is not like it's it's California. It's a it's a major metropolitan region in California. It's going to be bad crime, yeah. but it's nothing compared to Stockton. Stockton is a special <laughs> a special place. <laughs> trust me i've been there <laughs> like i i i didn't live there but i i lived there basically for for a little while i i it's mm. now the the one thing about uh, about masters is of course the the coverage you can't yeah. um the I cell coverage that, is an issue yeah and that could hold it back from being anything more than an ac a, a tier this year um they and might, that was they might basically that was just say we don't want to do it it's daylight right yeah. so um yeah, that one, I'm surprised we won't see it back. Um, another one, did it say anything about the match play? It did not. I really enjoyed match play um, this past year. I I dug into it. I liked it. Um, I hope that they bring that back. Um, yeah. Match play has a spot in this sport. It does. Is it a major? No. But I do believe that it has a spot somehow. Right. I agree. I think it should be there. Um, and you know the other thing? I, I'm going to be completely honest. Every, I don't care if you disagree with me on this. Whatever. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings. 
Las Vegas does not deserve to be an elite series. It just doesn't. It, well, I'll tell you what happens. Is everybody goes without disc golf for so long. And they're so excited about getting it back that they're going to watch anything. Right? We could, play, we could play at the soup kitchen. And it, <laughs> it would get good ratings. It's just, it's just the way it is. Las Vegas is not a great course. Um, none of the courses, of courses. That's what I was about to say. I was like, none of the courses are great. Has some great things happened? Absolutely, at those courses. We've had some awesome yeah. playoffs. We've had some ups and downs and woes and yeehaws and whoopoos and different noises Woo-hoo. that I can make. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But I, I agree. It's, it's nothing spectacular. Um, however. We will be just as excited to see it <laughs> when when we get there because we will have been talking about player movements and rosters and all kinds of right. sponsorship updates and we're like we get but, disc golf you know so but when when push comes to shove especially like uh, we've added an elite series or an elite event this year um and I, again for, given the flow of the tour. And the fact that you go all the way out to Vegas and then you go to Texas and then you kind of start this loop around and then you go back to the West Coast again and then come back to the Midwest and East Coast. It just doesn't make sense for it to be there. Like, if we're going to have it, don't have it there. Yeah. But like we just said, it's the first event. It's the only thing that makes Vegas exciting is the fact that it's the event that we start off with. It's the fact that we've been deprived of competitive right. disc golf for so long that it still makes it exciting. And it uh, it might be a good break-in for the players because it is such an easier course. Or courses. I mean, they they're, they are easier. So, you know, get get the rust off, still play well, still shoot well, do exciting rounds. Uh, you know, it, it's got its place. I, yeah. yeah. I don't agree, but... I mean... It has its place. I can't argue that. It's 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 it's, it's on here. There. It literally it's, does it's have there. a place. <laughs> like you can't it literally take it has away. a place. You yourself cannot <laughs> take it away. Um, I can't. You I know, can't do anything about it. No, nah, go drive a stake in the San Andreas. It's just not gonna work. Um, <laughs> it's just not. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Now you're starting to make jokes like that. Now I know it's time to go to bed. Oh yeah. my god. <laughs> okay. So. Uh, anyways, for anybody, okay. if you want more information again, information. Uh, oh, it's in, been a while. Burger, burger, burger. It's been, uh, I'm glad it's not no, just me. No rest. Nobody's going to no be rest. listening this far though. You see, it's like, they heard me I make kept, my faults. I kept it clean in the beginning. That's you that. did. So I, you I was, was very you, focused. You were strong with it. You had the force. Um, again, everybody, if you want to take a little bit more about it or, um, you know, just, figure out more of the information, go directly to the Pro Tour website, look at the announcement. There's a full article on it that they released. Um, and yeah, let us know what you think. Outside of that, US DGC. Yeah. Make this uh the the last big one. Yeah. Pretty quick though. Because um, I'm gonna run out of stuff. Look. Winthrop is Winthrop. They made a lot of changes this year. Uh, if anybody's interested in some of the changes that they've made so far, you can already go to Brody and Ezra's channel. They have their practice rounds posted. They go over all of the changes there. 
Um, so I'm not going to go over all of the changes. 90% of the changes from what I've seen have been to facilitate spectators and pace of play yeah. specifically. Which that and needed to be Pace of play is huge at USDGC. The backups yeah. there are abysmal. Yes. Um, so, but it, yeah, if you're more interested in, in some of the changes, um, feel free to go check out those YouTube channels. They have some stuff posted um, already on those changes. Yep. Um, I One quick thing before we get into uh, USDGC. Uh, I want to shout out our um, one of our other sponsors, uh, Disc and Disciples. Um, thank you so much for supporting the podcast. Uh, definitely check their schedule out on UDisc. Um, just look it up, Disc and Disciples. Uh, they do sanction rounds through PDGA Monday, Tuesdays, and Saturdays. Um, if you are not really wanting to grab a rating or anything like that, you can come out, hang out, play for free. It's just a great time to get together, play with friends, meet new people. It's a really great thing that they got going on. Um, you can grab a sanctioned league round pass or check out their gear um, at store.discandisciples.org. Um, there is a link in the description for any and all of our sponsors. Um, they also put on several tournaments throughout the year to help fundraise for various causes, both in the disc golf community and beyond. And they certainly have done that. Um, they have held up to their end of the bargain. They have done many tournaments, um, mostly flex starts. Um, I am going to do my absolute best um, during this colder months that are coming up to play as many of them as possible. Um, and we'll try to do some media content and such uh, with them and try to get that out to y'all. Um, yes. Yeah, so thank you so much to Disc and Disciples and definitely go check them out. All right. Now on the USDGC. USDGC. So, uh, first thing of note with USDGC, um, for probably what feels like the first time in forever. For the first the time in forever. Yes. There'll be discs. <laughs> There'll be chains. Well, no, that's not what I was going to say. But <laughs> the forecast. The forecast actually looks very nice. Yeah. And I, I mean, when was I ha, hold me to half this, okay. of it it's has US, to rain. It, it won't be USDGC US if it's at least not fifty percent wet. There's like, you know, there's a ninety percent chance that even though the weather outlook right now is is sunny all four days, that there's still going to be rain. Yep. Um but as of right now, it is not expected. It's it's one of the better weather outlooks we've probably seen at a USDGC in a long time. Um, so that's very, very interesting and could play a major factor yeah. into how that all plays out. That means um, that if you get the lead early, you might have a chance of keeping it late. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's a big thing. It is a um, big thing. That's usually not the case. Before we get into USDGC, only because it's a different event. So just so you guys know, it's not USDGC. Let's talk about uh, Throw Pink Women's Disc Golf Championship. Yeah. Um, um, Missy Gannon is coming in as your uh, Throw Pink Women's Champion as of last year. Uh, mm -hmm. She is holding the title. Um, I 
don't know. I don't have the list of who all is playing it or whatnot. I would assume mostly everyone. Um, this feels like a major, even though it's not. Uh, this one is very important. Um, they are doing things for a great cause. So they are always going to be supported, in my mind. Yeah. Um, and rightfully should be. So I I can't wait for them to possibly get a nod up somehow. Um, they should. The course is, you know, I mean, it's there. There's no less of a... Iconic is the word you're looking for. Um, yeah, iconic course. Even with its, what, base, what even we, with its baseball field. What were we saying earlier? I'm literally drawing Prestigious. a blank. That's still not the word I was looking for, but I you're know, on the right. What you're talking about. Come on, you know. But um, I mean, that's the word for it. It's the it's the prestige. Yeah, the prestige. I, I'm gonna kick myself after this. I'm gonna remember the word that I'm looking for. Probably um, why in the middle of me talking. Yeah, historic. Um, so that was it, by the way. Um, <laughs> but yeah, a historic course, iconic course, prestigious course. Uh, it should not hold any kind of different tone or reign than USDGC, but it does. Um, so with that being said, I think we treat it as a very important event. We cover it as a very important event. Yeah. And I honestly feel like whoever wins this has got a strong, strong head of focus as long as they are qualified heading into DGPT. Championships. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's start with a winner podium and dark horse. I'm with it. For Throw Pink. So, um, on Throw Pink, I am going to go with winner, Kristen Tatar. Second place, Missy Gannon. Third place, Owns Goggins because she's always there. <laughs> she's, she's she is <laughs> she is so basically in, yeah. Okay, okay. They have yeah, a they have a side yeah, buggy yeah. and a motorcycle and they just swap seats sometimes. <laughs> it's a, uh, I mean, yeah. All right. Uh, what about a dark horse? Um, unless, unless you want to go into any more detail. <laughs> I mean, don't get me started. Um, Dark Horse, Holland Hanley. Okay. All right. Um, I don't want to pick Kristen Tatar. I really don't. Then don't. But here's the thing. No. There's no thing. No. You don't have to. There's no. nobody forcing you. No. 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 Listen. You can just Listen. let me win this. Listen, Linda. Let me win Listen, this. Listen, Linda. Listen. If Kristen had won MVP Open, I probably would have picked Missy to win. Um, but for some reason, the fact that Kristen just felt unfocused compared to what we've seen her in recent memory for most of MVP Open. Yes, she finished strong. Yeah, she got into the... The fact that that's unfocused her, in my opinion, uh, means that if she's focused, she she's not going to lose. I'd I, I don't have anything else to say. She's not going to lose. And if she goes out there with the same mindset as, as MVP Open, 
maybe somebody else can pull it off. But if she goes in there focused and it's, you know, if she treats it like a major, like I think she will, she's going to win. Yep. And I, I don't know who can possibly stop her. Um, I really liked your your pick for uh, for second place. Missy really, because I, I want Missy to win and it, the course plays so well to her strengths. Right. Naturally, um, she's shown that she can dominate this course uh already again there's a fair amount of changes so it's yet to be seen but her game plays well to this course however however i'm gonna go with Paige pierce and i think that there's just this weird like outside possibility of a chance that mvp open kind of reignited a little bit of a fire i don't know that it's quite you know dominant Paige pierce fire but I think it could be enough to get her to sneak into that uh, that second place slot, right? Um, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna throw Missy there in in third. There you um, go. Dark Horse, Cat Merch. There you go. Um, definitely has the distance. The course doesn't play particularly wooded difficult um, um but it's not particularly open either so for cat she she just needs to stay in bounds and she can she can yeah really do something she, at this event she could she that's that's a good dark horse she's she's really not a dark horse but for this event she yeah is. yeah i mean you still have to consider like the, the total is. strength of field that we're looking at right now there's like uh, who else am i going to say ellen widboom Right, right. No, I, I com, I completely agree. I, you know, because you kind of did just, what I did. Holland Hanley is kind of in the same boat. It, yeah, it's like they've been there, but Cause would it, you expect them to win it? No. The thing, and the thing that makes USDGC so much fun to watch is that it combines what we've seen in the last couple of courses with truly mandated out of bounds. It's not just, you know, natural OB in a lot of spots or this. You have to hit distance golf lines, and you have to land them in good spots. Yeah. Um, and and I, I just don't see, like, most of your normal um, Dark Horse contenders being able to compete on, on this level mm-hmm. at this type of course. Yep. All right. So it was pretty good picks. Um, moving over to USDGC. Um. The MPO side. Uh, let's get your picks first. My picks. A my one, picks, my a two, picks, my a three, picks. and a dark horse. A DH. A designated hitter, so to speak. <laughs> Look at me bringing out the baseball. Gosh. You're the worst. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still sorry. You, you I, I kind of had like a little PTSD flashback to the whole calling up to the majors thing, and uh-huh. I, I paused. I'm sorry. It was a little fox pause there. I literally <laughs> said what you were thinking. It's fine. <laughs> you always tell me you're the worst. <laughs> okay. Um, to take down the dub, I have no idea who is going to win this actually. Um, I think Paul Macbeth makes top three. I think Chris Dickerson makes top three, but I don't know who wins because I don't know that it's going to be either of them. Uh, da 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 da. I 
I don't think it's going to happen, but I'm going to pick Simon okay. to win. Um, Simon wins, Chris Dickerson in second, Paul Macbeth in third, possibly a tie at third with Ricky Wysocki. But I, I think Simon gets a major. I'm going to go with it. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. I think, I, I don't, I just, USDGC just plays, it plays to the controlled player. Yeah. And this is the first year we've really seen Simon play controlled. Um, and if he can hone all of that in, I, I think he, he can win it. Yeah. All right. For my dark horse, Isaac Robinson. There you go. Just a feeling. Yeah. No, you're Just good. a whim. Um, so... For my top three, um, I'm predicting as well a new USDGC champion, um, Gannon Burr. I knew you were going to say that. I was literally looking at his name as you were saying that. I was like, oh, he's going to say it. Yeah. The young gun. Um, I just got a feeling he's trending. He's trending again. You know what I mean? Like, he's trending upwards. Um, well, and we we know what we we've seen him play well in these types of courses with a lot of artificial OB. Yes. Um, and that's all Winthrop is. Yep, it is. <laughs> and I think he does very well there. Um, mm-hmm. Second place. Um, I'm going with Ricky. Um. I think that Ricky puts on a good battle. He battles up, but he doesn't quite get there. I think Gannon has a very strong uh, strong lead, especially if the weather holds off like like it does, says, yeah. saying it's going to. And then I got Chris in third. Um, my dark horse is Tristan Tanner. Um, he's good. He's good, and I know forehands really, really help out on this course. Um, Yes. Or great anti-throwers like Simon. Simon is a great anti-thrower. So you've got a good pick in that. But, yeah, Tristan uh, is who I'm going to go with for my dark horse. Yeah. Um, One other name. I'm not. I can we do two dark horses? Because I want to put another one in. Let's do two. Sure. All right. Drew, okay. Gib- Drew, Gibson, on, Drew Gibson on my second one. Okay. Kyle Klein on my second one. Yeah. I figured that one. Kyle Klein. So Kyle Klein, and I want to call him out because number one, he has a bone to pick because of last year. Absolutely. Number two, I think he just has a bone to pick with this entire season. I yeah. think he knows that he's underperformed this year and he's shown glimmers and signs of hope. And he just has not been able to to fully put it all together. And I think that he is definitely a name to watch on the leaderboards this this week. Absolutely, I agree. I think that's a good pick too. Um, yeah, it's a major. We can do two dark horses. <laughs> yeah, it's the last one of the year too. Why yeah, not? exactly. Well, we get a, what? It's not like, yeah, not I, like we're gonna have any. It's well, kind of uh, hard to pick for DGPT. It's, 
you know. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. No, it's the it's the last it's the last one of the year, and there's no such thing as a dark horse if you're in the points leader. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, unless you know you're thirty second. Listen, Linda. Hey, we've seen it before. <laughs> I mean, it's happened. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, we've seen the queen be the Cinderella. Okay, it's it's fine. That's a oxymoron. Yep. It makes so much sense, but it makes no sense at all. Yes. I am an it's oxymoron. It's time for bed. Yes. <laughs> it's time for bed. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, we've almost been going for three hours on this podcast. Uh, we did say this was going to be a super episode. Uh, there are our picks for USDGC. Do, what, do with them what you will. Uh, make fun yes. of us as it goes along or be like, dang, these guys are smart. Uh, you know, it, it we are smart, way. but anything can happen. Exactly. You just, smart people don't say we're smart. Smart people don't say they're smart. Listen, you're talking about an episode where an hour ago we were talking about how we were dummies. I could say whatever I want. You're not wrong. I did just call myself an oxymoron. Um, <laughs> so yeah, smart people can call, um, smart people smart. So I'm gonna say you're smart, and then, and and then, the only thing you see, the, the okay. only thing is, okay. dumb I people you, can't. I give you the smart remark, and you don't give me smart. How dare? No, I was gonna say the only thing that can't happen, like smart people can call smart people smart, dumb people can call dumb people dumb, but dumb people cannot call smart people dumb. That just doesn't make any sense. Why am I saying this? I have no idea. Ah, right, so that's your episode. Um, he never did say I was smart. Thanks for that. So we will actually. I started. I said, <laughs> he's just sitting over here like he never did call me. It's like I literally was the one who said we are smart, but oh, he put the we in it. That's what it is. Okay, listen, Linda, you are. <laughs> How many smart. times have y'all heard Linda? We need a tally, a Linda tally. You just watch it. Ba- we need baseball references and Linda references all in this same podcast. We'll have tallies across the screen. It would be funny, though. All right. Anyways, thank you all to everybody that listened. Um, I have not looked at the Spotify or uh, any of the listening platform numbers uh, as of the past two weeks. Hopefully, this one hits you all, and uh, y'all think it's Yo. a great episode. Hopefully, we tried to uh, we tried to get you uh, a super episode, and uh, we definitely put a set-aside time for this, and we hope that you enjoy it, truly. Uh, let us know yeah. by uh, commenting, uh, giving us feedback, rating us on Spotify and Apple, anywhere that we can get a rating, definitely do that. Um, go Absolutely. follow us on any of our socials, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, we have a link tree. You can find it at any of our live streams or on the podcast um click that thing and go follow along uh daniel's over here yawning at me doing this outro so we will see you guys later y'all have a great weekend great time watching usdgc please let yeah, us know enjoy how it the goes. heck out of it yeah so, i mean it's it's the last big one of the year i mean tour championship be what it is but it's a weird platform this is this is it this is the last real tournament of the year yep So enjoy Enjoy. it. See y'all on the next hole.